Blog Talk Radio. fight. 
But I do like the card. Usually Showtime and the PBC, their undercards are, are pretty solid. I think we just got a bunch of good TV, entertaining-type scraps. Like I said, Carlos Adamos, um, Odames, I should say, Adamas, he's he's pretty all-action. And same with J-Rock. I could see Julian Williams potentially, um, you know, getting up early, looking good, and then, you know, uh, maybe getting knocked out. We'll see, though. But everyone on the card, for the most part, it seems, especially in the, the, the Showtime uh, triple header portion, we'll talk about the undercard, too. There's an interesting fight. Interesting crossroads, like, mid-level fight. Um, Caleb Truax is also returning on that card. We'll talk a little bit about that. But like I said, I think that we're going to get some good action fights. Hopefully that Franco Ioka uh, gets picked up from somebody. Then outside the ring, there's a variety of things that we have to talk about. Golden Boy Promotions files lawsuit against Ryan Garcia uh, and Lupe Valencia, among others, to enforce uh, the contract. Um, we'll talk a little bit about details. Um, it's not like there's, there is some, obviously there's a little back and forth, whether there's a clause to go, you know, in front of a mediator, mediator, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll definitely talk about it. Also, we heard some news, nothing's official right now in both of these fights, but Canelo and Charlo does seem to be the fight that's going to happen. Um, on the uh, Mexican Independence weekend. Now, whether that fight is going to be in Vegas, we know the UFC has an event, but, you know, Canelo um, can hold up to that a lot of times and has. Um, that's for sure. But you never know. Maybe they'll take it to Texas. Who knows? Um, and then also, if that fight gets made, because there was Badu Jack basically – we, we talked about it last week, how the terms for the weight are going to be the issue, and that was the sticking point. Now, as far as the fight taking place in Saudi Arabia, from the sounds of it, I don't think there was big money in Saudi Arabia to do that fight in the fall. Uh, but maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they'll revisit that. I don't know. But that's why it's starting to kind of seem like Canelo and Charlo is going to take place. But the other fight, which we have a little information on, um, we have some quotes from both fighters, David Benavides and David Morell Jr. Nothing's official once again, but if they can make that fight, that would be a great, great fight. Uh, Caleb Plant was talking about his new, or his next opponent, Wilder, very soon, if not this week, we're supposed to know about his fight doing. Maybe he's just going to wait till December. It sounds like AJ and um, Wilder want to get a fight in. You know, we've heard Andy Ruiz's name out there. Um, I've heard just barely a little bit of noise of Otto Wallen. Um, I have no clue. We, we've heard news about Wilder and Haney. Uh, from Pro Box, we'll talk a little bit about that signing with the Skills Challenge over there. So we'll talk a little bit about that. I, I don't know if that is 100% factual. Uh, you know, uh, it's a report as of right now, but you know, we'll we'll, we'll definitely discuss it as we kind of work our way through 
Uh, but if this is your first time listening to the Rope and Dope Radio podcast, welcome. Streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope and Dope Radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope. Rope and Dope and download the show there directly. You can find the Rope and Dope Radio podcast on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Player FM, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spricker, Stitcher, and a whole host of other places. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to the com? Phil Boxing in Eastside Boxing. And one more thing, your TV, your way. Live sports, news, and on-demand, no annual contract, no hidden fees. Direct TV stream for a limited time. Get $30 off over your first three months, starting at $64.99 plus tax for three months and $74.99 plus tax thereafter. Um, Don't wait. The offer ends soon. Direct TV stream. Okay. So, like I said, we we definitely will – get into some of this, uh, you know, some of this news out there. Oh, shoot, I'm dropping stuff left and right. Um, But we like to start in the ring per usual. Um, I mean, I guess we could start with the Showtime card because the Pro Gray, that was was an ugly card. The Frazier-Clark, pretty mediocre performance. Like I said, we did. Guzman had a huge upset. Um, on the pro grade card to Ali, but we'll talk a little bit about that in just a short little bit, because um, like I said, it's more kind of breezing by type stuff when it comes to that. But let's get into the Showtime card because we had Tim Zhu, um, you know, handle his business. I mean, he, he didn't mess around. I mean, he landed early in that fight, left hook, right hand. Um, a one-two definitely hurt Ocampo. I think it was a big right hand that knocked him down. Um, he was in trouble. You could just tell right away he was in trouble. I think he landed, you know, several right hands and left hooks. But then he, you know, as he was uh, going for the kill, basically, Ocampo was kind of off balance, looking pretty bad, and he just landed his left hook. That really put him on the mat for good. Um he was done. So, you know, you could say whatever you want about Ocampo. You know, he did give uh, Fundora some some strong rounds, I, I guess I would say. Uh, he landed almost 200 punches on him. Um, but, you know, we've come to kind of realize, you know, maybe a year ago or so, Kim Zhu was not looked at like the number one contender. A lot of people were saying that about Sebastian Fundora. He obviously slipped up. Maybe he'll get his get back against, you know, the rumored fight in that rematch with Mendoza. But um, he's been staying active, even though he got a pretty vicious, you know, uh, dog bite, uh, you know, a few weeks before the fight. Luckily, he got over that. But um, like I said, he didn't play with his food. We'll talk a little bit about, you know, not really much about his performance, but just in general. And, you know, a lot of people... Like I said, a year ago, we're kind of like, ah, not really looking forward to this fight. Tim Su, who has he beaten? Now that he's beaten some people that, you know, you kind of know, um, it's kind of like people are anticipating it more. And the problem is some folks are now questioning Jermel Charlo. Now, I'm not talking about the people that can't tell the difference between 
Jermel and Jermall. You know, we see that so much. And don't get me wrong, as a prospect, you know, we, I definitely got them wrong and stuff. But once they become belt holders, and especially since they've been in different weight classes, it's pretty easy to tell the difference. But, you know, Twitter trolls are Twitter trolls. But now we get this big um, – the hype is kind of building for this, you know. But at the same time, now folks are like, oh, he's going to duck them. Tim Zoo, he doesn't want a piece of them. And it's kind of like he went from a hype job to a hype train, like a lot of people on it all of a sudden. I'm not saying he's hype, right? He's all hype or anything like that. But it is funny how some folks out there, the usual suspects, will just back a fighter regardless just to shit on a fighter. Like Jamel Charlo and Jamal Charlo in the last two years have different careers, guys. Let's let's try to figure that out, okay? Well, we'll talk about it because it it is a really interesting fight. The style matches up was really smart. Sure, there was risk involved, but it was really smart for Tim Zoo to stay active. And now, you know, they got a fight, I believe, by September 30th, right? Now, could they fight in October or something? Yeah, probably. Um, but I think it's it comes down to some they have to fight if they want to have the WBO involved type shit um, by September 30th. I think that was like the – either way, they, they they were – even Tim Zhu said they're, they're really figuring out a date. They had to make sure Jamal Charlo was healthy with his hand. Uh, he wasn't just sitting there ducking anybody. Um, but let's get to the uh, the co-feature. Um, Sam Goodman, Raisa Aleem, we had an upset. It wasn't a huge upset, though, if you look at the betting odds. This was very close and um, kind of a tale of two halves, although I didn't think Sam Goodman was getting like 5 0 um, or whatever. Um, I think one of the – someone I don't know. I, I just – bad. I think Aleem was, was winning the fight early, but I don't think it was as clean as uh, Steve Farhood's, um, you know, his cards, you know, in, in my opinion. Um, round one definitely gave it to Aleem. I thought his jab and, and just multiple clean lands, he had a good counter, um, as did a few counters, as did Goodman. Um, I think it was a, a left hook that landed really nice late that gave him the round for me. Now, some left hooks early in the second round, Second round was very competitive. There was a nice left hook during an exchange, and as the from Goodman, and as those exchanges started happening more and more, Goodman did get the better of him. He came out there for me and landed the better shots with the jab. I gave him round two, round three, but it was competitive. There was you know a fair amount of competitive rounds early on. Um, you know, Aleem got caught on the way inside multiple times, especially when trading with the left hook. We we knew Aleem's punches the left hook, but like I said, as this fight wore on, it seemed like Goodman's was better, and he was just beating him to the punch. Um, so a close third round. I, I did give the cleaner work, though, to Goodman, actually. Now, I thought Aleem won um, some rounds here. Um, I thought he started to, to kind of find his distance a little bit. I gave him the fourth. I gave him the sixth. I gave him the seventh. 
Um, and like I said, the right hand to the body, the hooks to the head. I just thought I liked the combinations to the body. He was working the body a lot. There was a cut, I believe, after – was it during the seventh round, I think, over uh, Goodman's eye, but it, ultimately it didn't do much. Now the sixth – or wait, the fifth round, um, I started notice, noticing Goodman being able to take a half step back. Um, he was still landing the straight right hand, definitely with the jabs and whatnot, but whether he was coming forward – or kind of, you know, moving backwards. He had this little half step no matter what, and I thought it was really, really effective. And he actually was timing, you know, encountering as this fight wore on a lean more, I thought. So I had him up, uh, like, so after seven, you know, I at least have him up four, three, maybe five, two, something like that. I think the second and the third were really close. The fifth, I thought Goodman won that. So, but then Goodman really started to take fully control of this fight. And I don't mean like, oh, you know, I mean, like I said, I just, I have a leap up, but I really, I thought that the harder shots um, during the exchanges, making a lean miss, um, I was really impressed with that. You know, in the eighth round, the ninth and 10th, he started picking up the, the pace he was on the attack more was Goodman. He just landed better. Now, the, the, the 12th round, a good two-way action round. Um, but I think those right hands to the head, he landed like those left hooks and those step-back left hooks, and then he go right back on the attack. Like I said, that little step-back did a whole lot. Um, if you look at the punch stats, 132 to 140 in favor of Aleem. Aleem did throw more, 715 to 509, but he only landed 20%, and that's pretty low for Aleem, 26 to 20 there. Uh, of course, Aleem had, you know, definitely had the advantage, 72 to 26, when it comes to the body. Um, jabs were Goodman, 60 to 30, um, and then, you know, power shots as well. Now, Two scorecards had it for Goodman. That's how he won, right? Split decision. In my prediction blog, I picked a split decision, but for a lean. Um, I thought he'd win, but I thought the you know I thought it'd be a close fight. But 117, 111, 116, 112, and then 116, 112 on the other side for a lean. I had it about seven to five. Um, I don't think I don't think there was a draw. Uh, seven four one, maybe six five one. I mean, if you want to go six six, okay. But I, like I said, thought he did a little bit better, maybe just by a round in the the first say six seven round seven rounds, let's say. Because after that, I from rounds eight to twelve, I didn't give a lean around. So you know, you're looking at that's five rounds there. Now, how many rounds did you give him? Did you give him? the fifth and the second, or did you give him the fifth and the third? You know what I mean? So that's where I was a little – so I had I had Goodman winning. I actually did have Goodman winning, um, but it was a competitive fight. Like I said, definitely a tale of, of, of two halves of the fight. Um, watching Goodman going into this, I knew – well, I knew he was good. But I wasn't 100% sold that he would get the dub. I really thought – first eight rounds would be super competitive and then the separation would come 
you know, in the second half, in those last, whatever, five rounds. But it was just the opposite. I was wrong. I was wrong. I thought, I mean, it was a competitive fight as far as the rounds go, but it was kind of one-way traffic both ways. So, um, Raisa Lean still in a good spot as far as being at the PBC, having fights for him. But, you know, when you look at his age now, you do have to at least bring that up. He's not, he wasn't a young prospect slash contender, um, especially at the lighter weights. And then Sam Goodman, he's now what, the, um, the mandatory, you know, if they keep the belts, who even knows what the hell is going to happen there with the NUA uh, and Fulton fight. But he is now the mandatory to Marlon Top, was it Topolis or whatever his name is? Um, I think that's what it is. I got a little bit more news. We'll talk about that in just a second. We'll talk about Pro Gray, who looked real sluggish. Um, Zaria wasn't coming to win either, especially after he got knocked down. So I can't sit there and say, oh, you know. But, I mean, that was a really slow fight. And you can sit there and say, you know, the hometown thing. And, and, and um, Regis don't think he jabbed enough. I, he definitely wasn't cutting off the ring now, you know, his opponent. Donalito, you know, he, like I said, after he got knocked down, he, he wasn't really there to win. He was there to survive. He was there to move and whatnot. But still, Regis didn't look all that good, man. We'll talk a little bit about it. Then we'll preview the Showtime card, um, the Franco Ioka, and, and a little bit of the zone stuff. And then we'll get to that Golden Boy, you know, lawsuit that we'll talk about Um and just a short little bit, like I said, some of that other news like Canelo and Charlo and whatnot. Let's go ahead and bring in John, a great boxing mind, into the queue here. What's going on, John? How you doing? Good, Chris. How's it going tonight? It's going pretty good. I had an eventful day during the day, but uh, everything turned out good. And now I'm, you know, just excited to talk some boxing. Yeah, well, that's good that things worked out, and uh, now you can go into your other role, and uh, we can enjoy talking some boxing. Exactly. Um, So wherever you want to start, if you want to talk about the doubleheader showtime, we can go there, because that was like one of the closest fights, you know, as far as competitiveness on the, I think that was the most competitive fight, you know, on paper and in the ring. Uh, when it came to uh, last weekend. Yeah, it was. And, uh, you know, you had just finished talking about that. So that's that's a good uh, spot to pick up on. Yeah, when we had talked last week, and, and I wasn't aware of this fight coming up, and you mentioned the Leem. I was thinking of Emmanuel Leem, who's also with PBC, the all-action middleweight who's due for a fight. It's been over a year and a half, I think, since he's last fought. But it was Raisa Leem, of course, who I'm very familiar with. Uh, you know, Sam Goodwin, undefeated Australian, who wasn't quite as familiar with and uh, had quite a bit of the same take on the fight you did. I, you know, I've, I've liked uh, Raiz Salim and this, um, you know, advanced age for the weight he's at, 122, you know, documented he had time off early in his career and really made a, a good run, has been a very impressive fighter, you know, worked his way up to legit, you know, forget even the alphabets, just, you know, in, in transnational, you know, worked himself up into upper half contention in the division. 
um, you know, totally legitimately earned it and was a fun guy to watch fight at the same time. Um, but I thought Saturday night against Goodman, um, I was surprised. Like, Goodman was a little deceiving in the sense, you know, kind of a long guy for the weight, but, but he was the younger, quicker guy in there. You could see that as the fight went on. I, I think Aline's age for that weight, you know, 122, I, I just think it finally finally caught up to him. It looked to me like, um, you know, he, he just wasn't landing his shots with accuracy like he had in the past. You know, he wasn't – and he wasn't hurting Goodman at all either. And and Goodman just looked like the like the, the quicker, more accurate guy in there. But I thought, like you did, Chris, you know, it was a competitive fight the whole way. It, it wasn't really a fight – you know, I mean, I thought Goodman did do enough to earn the decision, but – you know, if, if Aline got it, you weren't going to say it was any kind of outrage, I don't think, or anything like that in that one. But I just think, you know, Aline showed the age a little bit. The the accuracy just wasn't quite there, the timing. Some things you see when a fighter's getting older, and especially, you know, in, in the lower weight divisions where the speed and the reflexes are so critical. You know, I think, you know, Goodman's 24, 25, and, and he he just he just a little looked a little quicker a little more accurate you know he's not a puncher he had a low KO percentage going in and and you know he wasn't throwing any heavy artillery either you know so that could be a problem for him going forward but I think he did legitimately earn the win in a close fight and um, you know he was an upset um, you know definitely was the most competitive fight of the night and. You know, it it brought a new player on the scene, and uh, you know Goodman. Um, for Aleem, you know, again, it's not that he wasn't competitive, but at that age, for a 122 pounder, um, falling back a little bit, it's probably one of those kind of deals where sometimes you have that, you know, in the sport, you get a fighter who makes a kind of a heartwarming late run in the, in the career for their age. And it just kind of runs out of time. And, um, and then it, it starts to decline. It, it, that probably is what Aline's looking at here. You hate to count them out, but just being realistic uh, after this uh, in, in those divisions, you know, where, where really when you're getting below featherweight one, you know, of course, featherweight, you got to be quick too, but, you know, when you get into those divisions, sub featherweight, you re- you really got to have those speed and reflexes in most cases. And you know, Olim's a solid puncher. You unless you're a massive puncher, which you don't see as much in those lower weights. Uh, but you know, he's a, he's a good puncher for 122, but but not a spectacular puncher. So going to be tough for him. You know, like you said, uh, BBC may still be able to get him some fights. But um, you know, good good moves ahead of him, and uh, it's gonna gonna be hard for Aleem to make another big run. I, I like the guy; I think he's a good fighter, he's a good story, but I I think it's gonna be tough. And uh, you know that was a surprise, Goodman actually getting the win, but he he, he did earn it in a competitive fight. Yeah, I thought so too, and in. in... Like I said, that little step-back move he was doing, and his timing, I didn't think he'd be able to time a lean that well, especially with the hooks and whatnot. So I was I was impressed with that. 
Um, obviously, Tim Zhu, like I said, didn't play with his food, hurt him, got him out of there quick, um, got him out of there without getting hurt. Obviously, you know, the 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 bite that he got from the dog, uh, which we saw pictures from that looked pretty bad, um, was his biggest challenge <laughs> in camp. Um, so, talk, you know, there's not a whole lot to talk about, but uh, there is as far as the next fight with Jermel Charlo. That's all of a sudden, you know, the last year and change, you know, Tim Zhu has just kind of shot himself into position, and he's now moved past Bondora as like a clear-cut number one guy right there uh, knocking on the door, you know, at the undisputed lineal guy in uh, Jamal Charlo, or Jamel Charlo, excuse me. Uh, I mean, I just think once you get these guys in the ring and the styles match up, it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, really good point, Chris. You made it earlier. Probably, I think you capture really the significance the true significance of what Zoo's done in, like, let's say, the last year is he he's kind of come for, from being a number one contender that, you know, some people were saying he deserved it. I, I, I thought he was getting slightly overinflated. But since that time, he's picked up two knockout wins, and Sebastian Fundora had the horrible stumble against Mendoza, a fight he was dominating, but he got caught and he got knocked out and – it counts all the same in terms of the W or the L. Sometimes when you're looking at a rematch, which it is rumored that there's going to be a rematch between those two coming up, you do have to look at how it occurred and say, hey, even though Mendoza got the W, he was getting out fought all night. And, you know, maybe uh, the next time uh, Fundora's going to be able to do that over 12 and Mendoza's not going to catch him. But not not to go too far aside, um, so I think that's what Tim Zhu has legitimately uh, accomplished, and I'm going to apply my rule consistently to him. Didn't talk about it too much after the fight, but want to make it clear. I do give a fighter point, points for taking care of business. Um, he took care of business with Ocampo, getting getting him out of there in one round. Um, I, I like to, you know, I like to see that from a fighter. I mean, in a positive sense, that is the, the type of stuff with the eye test that you're looking for, and it's Zoo doing his job. But but I am going to submit, yeah, in theory, just because he got into the ring, was there some risk? But but Ocampo was not much of a risk. And and here's where we got to get into whatever you like to term it as, you know, pump the brakes or calm the hype or whatever. I do think some people are getting carried away. Now, another thing, though, that has – benefited zoo is charlo's been off now you know jermel charlo's been off were they to have fought when they were initially supposed to before zoo fought harrison or ocampo uh, i would have you know picked charlo by knockout and i still might do that but you know as you and i have discussed that i want to reemphasize it again because i think people are forgetting about it just because jermel charlo is laying off a little bit um you know that fight Jermel Charlo had in the second fight with Castaño, that was something we thought we might never see, but we saw the puncher Charlo putting together those boxing skills he had used in the initial stages of his career, and that was devastating because Castaño's 
gave Charlo hell in their first fight. I thought he did enough to win it. Got a great amateur pedigree. And Charlo, you know, decisively knocked him out. Um, you know, where people are getting carried away to be with Tim Zhu is, and I think this is something you got to look at here now. You know, Charlo's layoff doesn't help him, but but he's been a good puncher as his career has gone on and just came off knocking out Castaño. Tim Zhu has not been in with anybody with any real offensive firepower. And just break down the opponents. Um, you know, he has not. You know, Tony Harrison has shown no power uh, against the upper levels. Has, hasn't even scored a knockdown against anybody at the upper levels. You know, had not too long ago had a draw with Bryant Perella, who, who doesn't take that good of a shot. And I think the majority of observers of that fight thought Perella won. You know, Ocampo has already been knocked out and won by Spence. Hasn't beaten anybody at all. You know, he went the distance with Fondora, but, you know, was already knocked out and won by Spence and doesn't have any significant victories on his resume. Um, You know, guys like Dennis Hogan, you know, they can't can't punch at all. I mean, Dennis Hogan just has absolutely no offensive firepower. Um, You know, these these are the guys Zoo's been in with, and I I don't think – for looking at that enough. I mean, we've seen Tim Zoo's convinced, you know, he, he's convinced me he's got some good offense. You know, he looks like he knows how to fight, but, you know, he, he got dropped by Gaucher, who's not a big puncher, and he hasn't fought anybody that really is throwing something back at you that you really got to worry about. I mean, if he would have had no chin whatsoever, yeah, maybe you had to worry. So I, I'm not going to go and say he's proven his chin, but I mean, if he had absolutely like you know a a glass china chin, all right maybe, but you would have seen something with that already. But he did get dropped by Gaucher. Um, you know Gaucher's punched a little bit better in recent years, but he's still not an offensive fighter. So I, I think that's something that people aren't looking at enough. You know they're, they're talking about Tim Zhu. It seems like even the majority like you know that that's all been established and he's this devastating threat he he really hasn't fought anybody that can really punch back with authority um and you know you just look at the resume and that's clear so you know i was in a debate you know with a knowledgeable australian you know commentator on twitter the last couple days just you know i said this chris anybody that tim zoos fought that jesus ramos couldn't do the same thing to so, you know, don't, you know, like when you're saying automatically Zoo's the guy, like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying Zoo couldn't beat Ramos, but I, I certainly wouldn't hesitate to pick Ramos in that fight were they to fight, you know, because he's going to be throwing something back at him and he's got more size than Zoo does and he's younger than Zoo is. You know, Zoo's not that young for even a 154 guy. So, you know, now Jermel Charlo's older. He's got to worry about age more, no doubt about it. You know, had a little, had some more age and, and mileage. But, but Zoo's, you know, I think people, they talk about Tim Zoo too, like he's this like 22-year-old guy, you know, 22, 23-year-old guy. You know, he's not. He's, he's not. You know, he's, uh, he, he, he's getting near 30. So um, I think keep that in mind. You know, you really need to see him against somebody that's throwing something back at him that can hurt him. And that's what we haven't seen yet. To me, that still is a question mark. I mean, 
a Jermel Charlo at or near his best can do that, obviously. And uh, I think that actually does give Jermel Charlo in that fight. But now the layoff, you know, I'm not going to argue. I mean, the fact that Jermel Charlo's been off and Zeus had a couple of fights, I don't think he probably gets as much out of those two fights as people make out. Because, like I said, I mean, Jesus Ramos would be a big favorite over to KO Harrison and to KO Ocampo early. So, you know, I, I know I'm comparing him to one other guy, but it does to me give some perspective. Um, you, you know, we need to see Zoo against somebody that can punch back with authority. That's something we haven't seen at all. You know, he, he just hasn't had to really worry about defending or, or, or what's coming back at him. And, um, you know, I think that's uh, I think that's going to be a different animal when he's got that. And you know, hopefully, Jamal Charlo will be at least close to his best. Now, you mentioned about like the WBO stuff. You know, when when you talk about a significant fight like this, no, nobody's going to end up caring what the alphabets say. So it's going to be when Jamal Charlo can do this and when PBC can put it together. This is not going to be ruled by the alphabets. I'm confident of that. So you know. I mean, we're already what, here in June. You know, can can Jermel Charlo be ready? You know, by the fall. I mean, uh, I don't know. I don't know if he can. And you know, we know with the bigger fights, it looks like they're going to try to stay away from you know pro and college football in the U.S. as much as they can. So that's that's a factor. Um, but you know, Zoo Zoo did his job. Um, he, he's shown he's shown he's he showed he's got some good offense. I think he's. Pretty pretty well established that, and he has proven that he is not just all hype. I mean, you know, really, you go back a few fights, you still were wondering that. I mean, I think he has established that. You know, he's not he's not complete hype, where it's just the case that it's Costa Zoo's son and it's a gimmick. He he's, he has moved beyond that. Um, so I think I think that's probably where he's made some advancement. But giving him that. He has not made the advancement that he's this 154-pound boogeyman. But I even see a lot of knowledgeable uh, boxing commentators saying after that fight, I- I'm I'm definitely not going there. Um, you know, I'm I'm a little surprised that that many knowledgeable people are saying that and giving that opinion. I- I'm not going to go there. Um, and you know, I would submit too that like when we're talking about Ramos as a comparison. And, and I think this often does prove to be true in boxing. You know, people get kind of caught up in this, like, oh, you know, Zoo knocked out this veteran. But I would submit that when you're a guy like Ramos and you're fighting a guy like, you know, Joey Spencer, who's who's undefeated, who's young, who who brings some pop, that's really taking more risk. I, I mean, I, I look I look at that more. I really do because, like I said, I mean. Ramos would be a massive favorite to KO Harrison and, and Ocampo early, um, you know. So it, it's it's just it's just more more kind of the expected, but it, I think there's a little more risk when you're when you're fighting a, a fresher guy who's who's dangerous. Um, and to me, that certainly was not Ocampo, um, and you know guys like Harrison, you know Dennis Hogan. These, you know, Gaucher, they, you know, they, they've, they've, they've been around. They got, they got mileage. They got mileage on them. So, I, I need to see Zoo against somebody who is fresher. That's gonna really bring some offense at him. 
And uh, I think that people are assuming that he's proven that already, and he has not. So uh, a prime, a close to prime Jermel Charlo is going to certainly provide that test. And we, 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 you know, we need to see it. But I like to fight now. Uh, it, it is even more interesting. I'm not going to argue with that. But uh, I think people need to realize Zoo might not be all the way where they think he is. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, you know, he definitely, like you said, after facing a guy that can somewhat punch, you know, they have slowed him down as far as that way, you know. Um, and I don't know, it's like, why can't we just say, hey, you know, now we're more interested in the fight. All right, that's awesome. He's staying busy. You can get better at his age. Uh, with every camp, maybe you're not even showing how much better you are in the fight, like a fight like this anyway. But, you know, you went through a camp, and it's like, it just, I don't know, it just gets old sometimes. Where you're like, now you're just going to disrespect Jermel and, and act like, oh, he better take a tune-up now. It's like, well, is he a guy that blows up way in weight, you know? Uh, but I do agree with you that, you know, sitting on the sidelines for a while with an injury um, and having him go through, you know, as many camps as he has now, it does, it does help in the long run. It can't hurt. That's for sure. Um, and it definitely, you know, put uh tip zoo now that he's fought three times on showtime, I believe, or was it four? I think it's three. I mean, you know, it definitely is bigger. So it's that, that is, is a positive and, uh, you know, we're we're gonna see how that works. I just think stylistically, it's gonna be a fun one, no doubt. But um, to sit there and underestimate, you know, a guy like Charlo. Now you could make the argument, maybe you know, the first time around in big matchups, he doesn't fight to his potential. I think that's really happened once. <laughs> you know, I really don't think it happened against Tony Harrison. I think Tony Harrison figured out some stuff in the second fight, and he had to knock him out to get that fight done. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Either way, though, I'm really, you know, excited about it, assuming it's going to be September, October. Either way, really, really, you know, can't wait for that fight. It's good. I think it's just the style matchup itself is, is good. And like you said, off, you know, we'll find out defensively, but offensively, you know, he can put his punches together. He's got some power, got some pop. So I'm definitely looking forward to it now. Regis Progray, you know, as we know, this is his first fight in three-fight deal. Um, he looks pretty, you know, I mean, mediocre is uh, probably putting it nice. Not to say the guy he, you know, went against was uh, looking to win or whether, you know, either. But, uh, you know, looking at CompuBox, uh, the previous was Ringendow and uh, Casimiro. 91 total punches landed. This one, 84. It's the lowest ever in a 12-round title fight. And, uh, I mean, this this was this was really bad. And you look at Progre, you know, he threw 497, which isn't bad through 12 rounds, per se, according, you know, according to Copybox, uh, compared to 310. But 8.5% now, Zoria, you only landed 13.5, but you you landed less than 10% of your punches. Um, 
for all the it's crazy because he threw a bunch of jabs and he only landed four. I mean, he threw 371 of his four nine uh, four ninety seven or jabs. He only landed four, whereas uh, Zaria, you know, he landed just as many throwing, you know, half the amount. It was it was a really weird, like just ugly fight. Uh, you know, there's not much positive. You know. You could say, like I said, Progray could have been more uh, try to not just a, yeah, like to kind of establish the jab, not just throwing it, but really throwing it with some intent, cutting off the ring. Sure, you could say that. And like I said, though, you know, Danilito, it didn't seem like he came to win, especially after getting knocked down. Uh, but that was just a bad fight for both guys. And you know, Progray, you know, we see. Devin Haney uh, potentially uh, in his future. If he were to sign with Matchroom, we do have a report out there from Pro Box that Devin Haney might sign uh, with the Saudi, you know, based promotional company. We we could throw in Wilder into that rumor, but I have heard that it's a rumor. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see where that goes, but. Um, you know, there there are other fights. Catterall's over there. Uh, Ryan Garcia might be over there on his own. I mean, I don't I don't think that they'll put him in with him next either way. Um, I got to admit, like, without knowing Matias, Sabril Matias, you know, isn't there for sure. Or I don't know. I mean, I guess uh, Jose Ramirez said he only has one fight on his you know, top rank card. Would he go over there? I don't know. I mean, it was having, they were having some issues even negotiating that the other way. Um, I don't know. It's kind of up in there, but either way, pro gray, you know, just put out, put up a dud, uh, you know, in new Orleans is, uh, where he's originally from. He did. Zoria didn't want to fight. Um, I don't see how anybody was giving him the decision. Uh, I, I didn't get that. I mean, like I said, you know, boxing's got to have, you know, I think that that standard of, you know, you're to giving rounds to somebody at least trying to make the fight is a good standard. You know, people argue against it, but I, I don't mean you can't box or anything, but these these guys that are just in survival mode and, and you know, they're calling it boxing, I was shocked that it was so bad that it, it was worse than that hideous Rigondeaux Casemiro fight, and that's kind of on the stats. Sometimes your eyes, yeah. it was actually worse than that. Yeah, according to you know Dan Canobio tweeting out with CompuBox, and I believe that. So that was shocking. I mean, you know, it was terrible, but you know, even Eddie Hearn was saying it was bad. Um, he just blamed it all on Zaria, which I don't know. There's a little bit of truth to it. I mean, Progress should you know be trying to get him out of there. He did drop him, um, but you know, Progress. You know, whether you're talking about him at 140 and he hasn't ended up going up to, you know, welterweight 147, he's, he's had some fights over 140. I, I thought he would have in his career. But either way you're talking about, he's he's a little bit, you know, a little bit on the short side for those weights. Got got solid power, but sometimes he, he, he can have a little trouble getting his shots off like that. And, and even occasionally then if he forces it again, being a little bit shorter, he's got good head movement when he wants to concentrate on defense 
And when he gets real aggressive, I have noticed throughout his career, sometimes he'll, he'll just issue that and, and which I like, you know, for the entertainment value of it and just, just go offensive and try to get somebody out of there, maybe take a couple of shots that he's good enough that he could avoid. Um, but this was just garbage in terms of, you know, entertainment value. You know, I, I do agree with Hearn a bit that even if it's on short notice, you know, the, the, you know, the B side guys getting an opportunity to make a name and, you know, you're expecting, you're expecting to bring something, but I would also then throw back at Hearn, even if Zoria was shorter notice, Hey, this is where you got to get better opponents. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you, you blew it with the matchmaking, you know, having a crummy fight like this. Um, but I, but I, I saw, you know, some people who should know better trying to argue. And, you know, of course you had the one card, but that Zoria, you should have gotten the win. I mean, nah, come on. Um, not, a, not a good performance though by pro gray. I am in the camp on pro gray and I've liked him, but getting that. And look, I don't know what the bank accounts are. I mean, like, We've talked out for years when DAZN started throwing money around, and now you got the Saudis doing it. Um, you know, a fighter could make a call. I mean, it's their health. They're taking the risk. Say, hey, you know, maybe I want to go short term. In other words, I know DAZN or going with the Saudis isn't going to help me build myself up long term, and I might make more money in the long term take another route, but payday now. I mean, I think it's a legitimate business decision maybe you make, but it doesn't mean it's always the right one. Uh, we saw Wilder not go there and have it pay off him ending up on the Forbes list. And that's just, you know, an example. Uh, Fury, you know, wasn't there. He took a different route. He ended up on the Forbes list. Um, that's, that's two guys right there. So uh, there are different ways to go. And I'm not saying, you know, Regis Progray is Deontay Wilder or Tyson Fury but or Canelo. But, you know, this is he's saying even himself, he made this decision thinking he's kind of the guy. But I think this isn't being discussed enough, Chris, among boxing people on the out-of-the-ring part. And especially people talking about the good 2023 in terms of action. I mean, of course, I love that Spence Crawford's being made and I love that we had Tiafimo Lopez having a great performance on regular ESPN. But let, let's look at some factors, and this does go to ProGray for why I kind of prefaced, prefaced it uh, with this. How many people saw ProGray on the zone Saturday night? I mean, this isn't being discussed enough. I mean, in the U.S., how many people saw ProGray on U.S. In, in the U.S. on the zone Saturday night against Soria. I mean, look, let's even just look at circumstantial evidence. We know how low some of the numbers on regular showtime have been getting. You know, a service in the U.S. got other entertainment that's good besides boxing on there and is well over 20 million subscribers. And the zone, if, if you even want to say there was a zone heyday, which there never really was in the U.S., I mean, I don't think anybody credible ever tried to claim that what did they maybe maybe they maxed out at a million. I mean that would be being generous, right? So that yeah, they definitely the did post. announce that. That the only right. one we heard was about eight hundred thousand. That that seemed to be the credible number. I mean I think they peaked when they were doing all the promotion. And look, I'll even say this: I saw the zone gift cards 
in U.S. grocery stores. I mean, when they were doing all that, you know, when they were signing Canelo, spending all the money, trying to promo themselves, having the reasonable subscription prices. But they stopped doing all that. They started doing pay-per-view, and they've just created an absurd U.S. subscription price that's going to be, you know, what, 23 bucks a month. Uh, and that's, that's their, their quote-unquote discount plan. Um, you know, how, so, so how many people saw ProGray Saturday night? I mean, the numbers got to be abysmal, and, and that's not being discussed enough. I mean, it does tie in with our other news, one of our other news items. I mean, I've been saying it for a couple of weeks. It happened. You know, Ryan Garcia is, you know, all right, now you can say he signed it. Yes, I agree with that. But still, in terms of if there is a way out, he's making the right business move trying to get out of that deal with Oscar, which, you know, has him on the zone because he's still young. You know, you know, he just got some good exposure against tank. He sees those numbers and he's thinking, and look young guy, but I think he is thinking this like, Hey, I'm a, you know, I'm an American, a Mexican American. What, what if I, what if I was out there getting promoted, you know, by PBC or being a more mainstream American networks or exposure and things like that with the social media following he's already gotten you you can you can you know because those numbers were tanking they were also him i mean you can start doing some math saying he could be doing really really well so he's probably looking more long term now he should have maybe before this but he is now and saying hey you know get me out of this you know i'm a young guy If, if i go a different route I mean, I can be really making some big money and really making a big name in the U.S. I think it's the right move for him. So if he can get out of that, I think if you just want to look at the business part, if he can get out, it's the right move. And they'll probably push for that. I think he'll probably stay with that. So, you know, Golden Boy, we we talked, you know, in the last how they just don't have much left. And now Garcia is trying to get out. So that's why they filed that suit to enforce. I mean, what they got Garcia and Virgil Ortiz. I mean, you know, Munguia just came off a performance that it was exciting, but it really wasn't good uh, for his future. And, you know, he, again, he, he's, he's only been fighting on the zone. I mean, you know, same with Virgil Ortiz. It's, you know, Ryan Garcia's got that social media following. You know, Munguia and, you know, Virgil Ortiz don't have that. I mean, just just being there on zone. you know, Canelo had all that HBO and Showtime exposure before he went on zone. You know, Virgil Ortiz doesn't have that. James, Jaime Munguia doesn't have that. So um, I think we got to start discussing that. And, and, you know, what I was going to also tie it into is, again, think how low the zone would be. I mean, you hate saying it for such a good fight. But in this climate, I mean, really, the Josh Taylor, you know, Tiafimo Lopez numbers for ESPN just weren't really weren't good. They were disappointing. So, again, if that was disappointing, what are what are these zone numbers? You know, we know the regular Showtime numbers, you know, aren't, haven't been particularly good in recent years compared to where they were. I mean, there's a lot of factors, but I think we can look at a positive in boxing. We're getting some of these good fights that we're getting and they're being talked about. But I think the people who you want to talk about the positives, that's okay, but you better balance it with, you know, the numbers aren't there right now. I mean, except for, except for, you know, Tank and Garcia. I mean, that pay-per-view showing that was 
you know, for this climate was an impressive showing. But so you, you do have that. But outside, so you, you want to say that for a positive fine. I'll go with you there. But the other fights, the, the numbers just really aren't there. Um, and I think Spence Crawford will get the numbers, but it, it, almost, it almost needs to because, like you and I said, heck, a long time ago, and, and we're now at that point, boxing just didn't, was at a point where it didn't have enough intri- intriguing fights that even had any potential for crossover if they were to be made, except, you know, maybe Garcia Tank, and we got that, and it did well, and, and we were saying Spence Crawford, now you got that. But these, these, are, these are like the best fights in the U.S. boxing could make, you know, just about. So they, they need to deliver, but the, the other ones outside of those two, and that's arguably why they got made, uh, the numbers, the numbers haven't, haven't been all that encouraging. So I think for a guy like Progray, he can talk short, short, short-term money, but he's getting at an advanced age for a 140-pound guy. He's already there. So all right, he's taking this money. Maybe feels this is the best he can do right now. But I, I thought a few years ago that you know he would have signed with PBC. PBC had all those welter weights. He would have gone up, tried to get into that mix with those bigger names. Uh, you know, I'm not managing him and, and not looking at all the numbers. But I do think a few years now later we can look at that. Like I, I don't know if I don't know if he took the career direction that he should have. So and then you know some people were saying that about Terrence Crawford, but. He got some ESPN exposure, and now he's still on the feed and getting a big fight with Spence. So maybe in the end, for somebody like him, it worked out. But I don't, I don't know if it's working out that good for Progray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The viewership, you know, is an ongoing thing. Um, I'll say this year, though, as far as you know, matching up top five versus top five, top ten versus top ten this year has been tremendous so far and it, it appears to be uh, peaking still coming. Uh, we'll see what fights are actually finalized and all that, but it is a mixture of, you know, reporting on that, but also, you know, the second part to last year slowly but surely unraveled, right? But this first six months, I mean, I suppose we're not all the way through it, but it has been, Pretty damn good. So it's it's a blend of both there. Exposure is important, no doubt about it. Um, and we'll see where that goes. You know, hopefully, like, as far as even a Showtime rating, like the that um, that Charlo Zoo fight, you know, they had uh, earmarked money to, to fight in January. I'm assuming uh, Espinoza, when they, when they talked about it, that's going to stay on Showtime. It's not going to all of a sudden be a pay-per-view. That should be a good rating, just like the Castano fight. Um, the Danny Garcia, Arislandi Lara could be a good rating, uh, relatively speaking, as far as the Nielsen ratings. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we definitely will keep track of that. Um, any other items that you want to talk about before we start breaking down uh, in and outside of the ring? Uh, hopefully, Franco Ioka, too, gets a home. I mean, it's only Tuesday now. Maybe Fight TV, maybe the Zone. I'm thinking ESPN Plus. Hopefully, someone picks that up on a legal stream so we can check it out. Um, but it really kind of feels like, like uh, stylistically, kind of the old school term TV fights is kind of the name of the game with that Showtime card. Um, 
We have Berlanga Quigley. Not much to to scream about on the undercard there. Um, the one thing I'll say, you know, Julian Williams, J, you know, J-Rock going against uh, Adamez, it's – I think that, especially with the full camp, all these fighters have full camps because this thing's been announced for a while. I can see Julian getting off to a good start, and then it just train wrecks. I mean, we've – you know, that's that's not really going out on the edge, right, on the ledge when it – comes to talking about a J-Rock fight because even back uh, several years ago now, you know, he had a lot of success against Charlo in the first little bit. He was winning some rounds, he was landing clean punches, and then he ended up getting stopped. So I think it's more of like we'll we'll kind of look back at it going, man, that that was entertaining. That was fun. Uh, But, you know, it's kind of just I don't know. Carlos is is looking for a big fight. Obviously, he's trying to make uh, a, a name for himself here and, and get that Charlo fight or, or whoever, just some sort of movement there. Um, but when you look at, I they haven't announced it yet. Um, as far as it being on, you know how Showtime will do the YouTube. Caleb Truax, I haven't talked to him. Uh, you know, leading up to this, uh, I'm wondering where he's at, you know, with this comeback. Uh, Burley Brooks is, a, you know, not that experienced of a guy. Uh, so, you know, if he can't beat this guy, let's be honest, you know, he should be able to beat this guy. But there's another fight here. Shoot, did it already go? It, it Oh, man, is it already gone? It was just on there yesterday. Huh. Okay, I was just about to say a fight that's now gone. Uh, well, it's off of it's off of box wreck, and it lit, not even even earlier today it was on there. I wonder if it got moved, huh? Okay, but anyway, um, what would you like to talk about as far as this weekend? And then let's get into some of that detail. Uh, or, or talk about, you know, about the Golden Boy promotional, uh, you know, lawsuit that was filed against Ryan Garcia, against Lupe Valencia, uh, to enforce the contract that they have, and, and they say is pretty sturdy. There is a little California-Nevada length of contract uh, going into this, but, um, yeah, I'm going to find out in the meantime what the hell happened to this fight. Yeah, I, I, one thing I just uh, would pick up on first before I talk about Williams and Adamas, which, uh, you know, of course, the, the Showtime headliner this weekend. You, you make a good point about the Charlos in terms of if you want to look at the positives of what might continue in 2023, even on the ratings front. Uh, good point. Charlo Castaño, too, did an excellent rating on Showtime. You reminded me which was kind of proving that, and that's premium cable, that if you have a really, really good fight, uh, the fans will watch it. Um, you know, that that was a really good rating for premium cable. And if, you know, Steven Espinosa and Showtime stay with Zoo Charlo on regular Showtime and it happens this year, that's got a potential for a very, very good rating. And if you're going to then couple that with the fact that you've got the rumor this week that Jermel Charlo is going to fight Canelo, that is 
you know, I've been clamoring for that for Canelo a lot. I feel like he's neglected his U.S. marketing. That, to me, would be a reversal of that. And, you know, he's getting at an advanced age, even for a 168-pound guy. Maybe he and his camp did take a look at it and say, hey, we got to do that now. We saw, you know, what a good number we did with Plant. It can be even bigger with Charlo. Maybe maybe that is the fight we've got to go with and stop playing around with, you know, the zone pay-per-view. If that's the case, I think that fight does well on pay-per-view. You know, Canelo's gotten enough exposure. Jamal Charlo has gotten enough exposure, even though he's been on for a couple of years. He's still gotten enough. He's popular enough in the U.S. that coupled with Canelo. Like you said, you, you could have that fight in Texas. And, you know, Charlo being from Texas, Canelo having fought James Kirkland in Texas and having a big crowd and a huge rating on HBO, there's a lot of potential there. So uh, the Charlos could be involved in two big ratings fights, prospectively, one presumably pay-per-view with Canelo, of course, but then another one on Showtime before the end of the year. Yeah, that would be encouraging. We already had encouragement from Davis and Garcia with their pay-per-view showing this year. So looking, and I think Spence Crawford will do well, but we're looking for those uh, good ratings. Now with in the ring, Williams and Adamas, uh, you know, I've been operating on the theory proven to be true. I've mentioned it a few times. You know, I thought Williams and Hurd should have been fight of the year for that year. I thought in a way, and Donaire one was an overrated fight that wasn't as good. And I just think that, Williams and Hurd took everything out of each other. You know, Jarrett Hurd, he was one of my favorite fighters, you know, just the action, what he brought to the table. But let's just state it as it is. He looks like a shot fighter now uh, since the Williams fight. And, uh, you know, Williams, he got, got blown out by Jason Rosario, got upset by a journeyman uh, who's not a puncher. On the other hand, you've got, you know, Carlos Adamas, a guy who had a poor performance against Teixeira and hadn't really fought anybody that noteworthy up to that point besides that, uh, who all of a sudden just exploded with a a mix of power and skill against Sergei Derevyanchenko, who did show against Munguia that even now at 37, he was not done that he, he still did have quite a bit left, gave Munguia hell in that fight. And Adamas just dominated him with, you know, boxing skill that we hadn't seen from him before. He was known as a puncher, and that was all we considered him, and that's all we saw out of him. And there all of a sudden he brought boxing skill with the power. Then he fought a, followed it up, fought a tough guy in Montiel, and just dominated him and blasted him, blasted him out of there. Um, you know, Bob Santos has done a tremendous job with him, and he's had some help from Salas along the way at some points. And I, I would just say this with Williams and Adamas. I'm going to have to be realistic about this one. You know, it's a Showtime main event, but I don't want to get caught in, up in, you know, we're thinking about the Julian Williams J-Rock from years ago. He's, he's not that. Uh, I think he is also probably a shot fighter, and Adamas looks to be a peaking fighter. So I'll say this, and this is is what I expect. If Adamas fights like he has in the last two fights 
and Williams fights like he's been fighting in his last few fights, this is going to be a blowout in favor of Adamas. I, I don't think Williams is going to have anything for him. Um, because Adamas, in these last two fights, he's been putting together skill and power now that we hadn't seen before that. I mean, if you're going to be hopeful for J-Rock, yeah, it's going to have to be the J-Rock of years ago somehow shows up, and the Adamas of years ago, circa the Teixeira fight, shows up. I could see people, if they think somehow that's going to happen, like in this fight, and thinking Julian Williams has got a chance, but why would that happen? You know, why why is the the Julian Williams from years ago going to just all of a sudden show up Saturday night at the same time that Adamas is going to regress back to what he was before he fought Derevyanchenko? You have to have two things happen there. If somehow those two things happen, this could be a good fight. Like, you know, if the, if the Julian Williams, even who fought like, like Gallimore is able to show up or, or who fought, obviously who fought Heard. But I don't see that. I just don't see that happening. I, I just think that, you know, J-Rock and Heard wrecked each other in that, in that war. And, you know, Williams had been taken out by Charlo before that. Um, so, you know, he, he did have that wear and tear, you know, it's not like that wasn't there, but he, he just, he's looked done since the herd fight and herds looked done since he fought Williams, you know, that, that fight just looks like it took it all out of both of them. And uh, I just don't see how, a, her, how Williams is going to have anything for a peaking Adamas. So uh, I'm, a, I'm anticipating Adamas to stop him in this one. Um, and then Caleb Truax, I'm just, you know, very intelligent guy. Uh, you know, what, what graduate university, uh, Minnesota, Chris, in your territory there, and of course from Minnesota, you know, he can make his own decisions, but, you know, he's in his late thirties. I'm surprised to see him back. I, I, I'm going to mention that. Yeah, me too. You brought that up. I just was like, again, it's his life, but I don't know. Sometimes from the outside, heck, you do kind of got to say it. I mean, it's, you know, a guy, a guy like him, it just doesn't seem like you want to be in the ring. I mean, at, at this stage, I mean, what, what what is to be gained really at this stage with what else he has going for him? Um, again, it's his life, not my life, but I, I kind of mean it complimentary to him. I mean, he it wouldn't seem that he he needs to do this anymore. Yeah, maybe you're thinking I can't make this much money at one time, but with the risk with the risk to your health, you know, your your brain function. I mean, that's just boxing. I mean, it's it's reality. Um, just, I was surprised when I did see that too, and I was like, "What's Truex doing back?" Um, I, you know, I was surprised to see that. So, uh, you know, it's up to him. Quigley and Berlanga. Quigley, I always just think of what might have been. You got to go real early in his career, but and of course the opposition is less. But still, if you look at him, <laughs> didn't work out that way. But you look at him in the eye test early in his career, he really looked good with boxing and power and. He, he has looked bad for a long time. I'm, I'm going to agree with anybody that would say that because he has. And his performance against Andrade was just dreadful. It was embarrassing. It was that bad. Um, I, don't, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't see any reason why he would get it back. I'm not saying he's going to. It's just that to me is, in terms of talent, though, what might have been. If, again, you got to look early, but there was talent there. And, you know, he was with Golden Boy, and they were building him up, and he just was looking worse and worse. I mean, first fight he really started looking bad was when he fought 
you know, like a shot Glenn Tapia, and it wasn't that Tapia had anything left. Uh, just Quigley looked really bad, and, and, you know, it just got worse and worse. He just, you know, just just wasn't looking good. Well, he had the fight with Mosley Jr., but just not both of them, just to me, just not, not particularly good when you're talking about the upper levels of the sport. Um, and like I said, the Andrade performance is embarrassing. But, you know, why you, you focus on Quigley there is I agree with, with most that Berlanga, after looking interesting and providing some excitement, he's also looked so bad in recent years that, you, you know, people are probably right. He's looked so bad that if there's somebody else that can bring something, he's, he's vulnerable. But the odds makers don't, don't think Quigley can bring anything. I mean, Berlanga's a massive favorite. So um, they doesn't mean they're right, like we always say, but they still know better than anybody else going in. So, you know, they, they don't think Quigley can, can bring anything and Berlanga should be able to knock him over, even though Berlanga hasn't been doing that lately. And, you know, we know with the rumors about the Canelo fight, Canelo likes working with Hearn, and now Hearn's got Berlanga. You know, even though it's just Quigley, it is a big fight for Berlanga for those reasons. I mean, I, I would agree because whether we want that fight or not, Eddie Hearn might be able to give us that fight uh, if Berlanga went, keeps winning. So it, it's it's just significant in that factor. Um, you know, Berlanga was doing really good ratings for a while, and then as as he started to fade, the ratings started to fade. I I think for Hearn, probably for what he got him for, it, it was worth a risk. Like. You know, the guy got enough ESPN exposure that with what Hearn's doing on the zone, Berlanga has some value for that. So I, I kind of, from a business perspective, actually can see it, even outside of the Canelo part, you know, taking a chance on the guy. But the guy's, the guy's got to recapture some of that magic. I guess you could say this with this one. This probably is a good way to put it. If Berlanga can't get Quigley out of there in the first three rounds, and, and try to at least give the mirage of that excitement that he had earlier in his career. I mean, then, then it really is just not going anywhere at all. And I'm not saying it's going to go somewhere with Berlanga beating somebody significant, but the whole experiment probably doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is, you know, like you said, worth the risk. It is another opponent, no matter if we like it or not. That's obviously something that they got to, you know, that they got to, to handle. Um, and he's going to try to, you know, keep Canelo locked in as much as he can. And if that were a fight he could take, then, you know, as a promoter, even though Berlanga wouldn't have quote unquote earned it, like uh, many people say other opponents need to do when it comes to Canelo, you know, it's, it is what it is. So we'll definitely see how that goes. Um, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I agree. I don't think J-Rock will win, but I guess I'm talking about the first three to four rounds. I, it wouldn't shock me if it's like two to two, and then he just gets caught with a punch, and it's over, you know? And that's what Carlos has definitely got to do. He's got to put on, you know, a show. He's got to he's gotta make a statement to an extent. Now, I'm not saying this statement would be great, but to you know to fans that they at least know Julian Williams and they know he's been a, you know a, a guy that had some belts and had you know some big fights and whatnot but I agree you know it's been a while since he put on 
a complete performance. So, um, you know, Adama is, he needs to, uh, he needs to handle business. Um, and then, like I said, that Franco Ioka fight, man, I, I just hope we, I hope we get some kind of home for that one. I'm assuming we will. Maybe that's, you know, being wishful, but usually we end up getting some fight TV or something. Uh, ESPN two, the zone, just something. ESPN two, ESPN plus. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't see why. Yeah, I don't see why like ESPN plus or the zone, like fights like this. You you would think either of them would at least give them to us. Um, and apparently, my understanding of the top ranked deal with ESPN is that 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 they do get to make that call, like. You know they they're make they're kind of like the gatekeeper for ESPN. I mean I think that is the deal. I mean I think that's clear. So like my understanding is like Top Rank gets to make that call. You know if, if Top Rank says hey this is worth ESPN plus, it, you know it, it goes on that they're that they are the gatekeeper of the ESPN boxing content. So I don't I don't know why you know Top Rank doesn't give the okay to some of these for just ESPN plus. I mean I'm thinking on the plus. You know what? What does it hurt? I mean, this is a this is a good fight, uh, close one. Seemed like most people thought Franco won the first one. He's got Robert Garcia. You know, he, fighting in Japan more difficult for him, but you you would think he does have a, have a good chance. Then he, he's getting this second chance at Ioka uh, that that he can get it, get it done this time at least by a decision. But yeah, I, you would like to see the fight available in the U.S. Yeah, let's hope let's hope that gets done. Um, and kind of talking about this uh, last a couple days ago. Now I think it was like this on Friday. Uh, you know, gold. This is from uh, Keith Eidick, Boxing Scene Golden Boy Promotions files lawsuit against Ryan Garcia, Lupe Valencia to enforce the contract. I know Coppinger also had um, you know a report here. The lawsuit, and again, and it's against other people too. But those are the two uh, that they talked about. But to enforce his valid promotional agreement, according to the ten, ba- ten page complaint, a copy that was obtained by Boxing Scene uh, Valencia, this is Golden Boy, has over the last year or so directly interfered with Golden Boy's ability to communicate with Garcia and negotiate the best deals. Yada yada yada. Talking about the Gervonta fight. Uh, Golden Boy disputed his complaint, Garcia's absurd position that their promotional agreement is void and unenforceable. That's according to ESPN's Michael Coppinger. Uh, Garcia's legal team sent Golden Boy Promotions a demand letter last week in which it alleged multiple violations of their promotional agreement that invalidated. Um, Golden Boy attempted to resolve this matter informally, according to the complaint, but it is... It was forced to file a lawsuit to protect its right. 25 um, does are listed as defendants in the lawsuit, but, you know, only one is the Garcia and Valencia so far. Um, now, I've also heard that there is a – there's a little bit – I haven't read all the – you know, just reading a little bit about the 10 pages and whatnot – there is a little bit the difference between California and Nevada, um, and, and this is Jake Donovan talking about Golden Boy's obligation. Or no, this is uh, the counselor for 
Ryan Garcia, James Pearl on the lawsuit. This is Jake Donovan. Golden Boy is obligated to promote and enhance uh, Ryan Garcia, not, you know, mal- with a malign him and Twitter public, the public stuff, a baseless lawsuit against them. But also hearing about, you know, the contract length, which if it's in California, um, compared to California and Nevada, I'm seeing John Nash five-year max for managers in Nevada, but no limit to promoter agreement. Whereas, you know, they're, they're probably thinking on the other side, it's California. But the, the Golden Boy stance is uh, that the rules of Nevada are what they agreed to follow. Um, because obviously, and it, and it actually dates back, they brought this up too, about um, when De La Hoya himself argued that Top Rank violated the seven-year rule when he sued Bob Arum's company in 2000. So California, I think it's a five-year you can you can only go five years for length, and we talked about you know the 2019 agreement that they re-upped that deal uh, because you know and by the way you know Garcia did call it a great you know the best promote uh, prospect uh, contract there's ever been and stuff like that so there does seem to be a little issue with the you know I guess it used to be a seven year now it's a five year. But um, that's where, you know, we'll see exactly when they say agreed upon, like in writing, or did they just have a handshake? What are your thoughts overall? Because we talked about this before this happened last week on how it just, it doesn't look good between Ryan Garcia and Golden Boy Promotions. Yeah, I think what's going on here is exactly what we talked about that, Garcia has decided to take the Canelo approach where, look, you're generally being fair to Golden Boy. You know, were these valid contracts that they had with Canelo and, and Ryan Garcia, even if there's some differences in the situation? Um, yeah, the Canelo argument was probably a little better where he was saying, look, you weren't looking out for my interests when you did this deal with the zone and you got yourself five million and you tied me to the zone. You know, you just wanted to get Golden Boy five million. But there are similarities overall that you're you're trying to get it that was a creative contract argument. That's what Ryan Garcia's lawyers are trying to do. They that was obviously what the demand letter was. They're they're trying to make a creative contract argument to get out of the deal. And basically De La Hoya and Golden Boy, seeing what was coming, decided, well, we're going to file suit here, try to send a message because Ryan Garcia wants to get out of this deal. Um, so I, I think, you know, Garcia's young. I mean, you know, there's probably going to be a bit of a bit of a game of chicken where, you know, if, if Ryan Garcia and his team just start saying, hey, you know, I, I'm not I'm not going to fight for you. You know, until we get out of that, you know, one of the most famous recent examples of that was, you know, Mikey Garcia and what he said out two and a half years, a very long time. And yeah, they, something they, like that. Yeah, they they played chicken and they both held to their positions and he ended up having to sit it out and then he got out of it and came, you know, came to fight for PBC. That That's what Ryan Garcia wants to do. Uh and I, I don't know. I mean, at this point, he might do that. I mean, I, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't put it past him to do that. I mean, even though 
coming off the tank fight. He's arguably at, at a prime earning point. He, he is young, and he's not going to get that exposure on the zone. I, you know, his instinct is correct there. I mean, he signed the deal, but yet I think the desire to get out is the correct business decision. So I, I think he and his legal team are doing what's right for Ryan Garcia. That, that, that's what I think is going on there. And for Golden Boy and, and Oscar, they're just going to be the, taking the, the conservative traditional approach, just saying you signed a contract. That, this, that's what contracts are. Both sides had equal bargaining power, knew what they were getting in, into, and you, you got to honor the contract, period. And if you know, you're, you're not going to honor the contract, you're not going to be fighting for somebody else because we have an exclusive contract for you. So it's either fight for us or don't fight. And, you know, of course, if you're not fighting for us, you're, you're not getting paid when you're not fighting. So that's going to, that's what it's coming down to. What you're trying to do if you're on Ryan Garcia's side is you're, you're trying, because you really want to get out of that deal ultimately. So you're, you're trying to at least battle to a point of leverage where you've got golden boy concerned enough about your theories that they might lose if it continued on that then you negotiate and get out of that deal. You know, maybe you, maybe you pay him some damages or something like that. You get out of that deal. That's, that's what they're looking to do. That's when they write the letter before golden boy sued them. That's what they're trying to do. You know, that's where you're trying to see, can we avoid the, the legal equivalent of a war by settling before a lawsuit is filed by either side? And that didn't happen. So, you know, I would say knowing how parties get in negotiations and things and knowing boxing like I do, Golden Boy was probably privately looking back and saying just what I was saying before. Hey, you know, we've got Munguia, we've got Virgil Ortiz, and – you know, we've got Ryan Garcia. That's a, that's about in terms of selling what we're down to, you know, forget prospects and things like that. So, or lesser known fighters. So we can't afford to lose one, one third of that trio, Ryan Garcia, especially after the numbers he just did against tank. So we're going to fight this. And that's, that's what happened here. Um, Golden boy just can't afford to take the hit of losing Ryan Garcia. So they're going to, Feel, feel they got a valid contract and they're going to battle. And I think Ryan Garcia and his team just looked at it. And I think correctly from his perspective said it's just not a good business deal for us to be with the zone and golden boy. So we're, we're going to look for some creative ways to get out of this thing. So, you know, their, their creative argument is because it is out there and everybody can see it. And sometimes people do stupid things, uh, Oscar, Dar- I mean, Oscar De La Hoya trashing him on Twitter. They're saying, well, you know, this, they're, they're, they're making a spin that that's a contractual violation or, you know, can somehow void the contract. Right. Probably would be too severe of a remedy for that. But, again, if you, if you keep pressing the argument, I mean, this is the way litigation works, if you keep pressing the argument and, enough anxiety, you know, you make credible enough points and enough anxiety is caused on the other side, you know, that, that can drive a settlement. And then you get, you might have to pay something, but you get Ryan Garcia out of that deal, which obvious to me, that's obviously their objective in this thing. And Golden Boy and De La Hoya saw what was coming and then they decided to be proactive and said, well, we've already got a demand letter where he wants to get out of the deal. We're, we're going to teach them a lesson and just 
go right after them to enforce this contract before this goes too far. And that's where they're at right now. Yep, that sounds about right. Any other items that you uh, would like to discuss here, sir? I think we got it mostly covered, Chris. I, I just think one thing that you mentioned that would fit kind of the theme I've been talking about, you know, you've got rumors that Devin Haney, Deontay Wilder might be going with the Saudis, just rumors at this point. But, again, it's where you – you're making that decision, you know, do you, do you just want to, I mean, of course, Devin Haney at an earlier, much earlier stage of his career than Deontay Wilder, but still Deontay Wilder, one of the top names in U.S. boxing and obviously a big seller at this point. You Do, do you want to take the Saudi money? You, you know, you're not going to, you're probably not going to sell in the U.S., uh, you know, taking that money and, fighting over there and and uh, probably following the path that, that they want you to follow. But, you know, maybe, maybe the, that – I mean, we know from other sports and what they've done in boxing that the Saudis are just throwing obscene amounts of money out there to do this. Um, I was just reading – I was just reading a lengthy article on, on this just about all sports recently within the last two weeks. And, yeah, you know, it's just, it's just part of – part of their strategy, part of their marketing strategy. I mean, they oh, basically actually, bought, a, bought pro golf here in America. Right. Actually, it was Thomas Freeman in the New York Times. He was, he was talking about modern Israel and Saudi Arabia, but had a, had a good article. Wasn't getting, you know, real deep into the sports, but it, it was important because it did tie in. I mean, and, and this is how this all got started with the Saudis. It, it's part of this image rebuild that the Saudis are, are doing and, reading that Friedman column in the times it's they're doing it in more areas other than sports than I even realized at this point, you know, I, I saw the sports part and I, I do like to follow, you know, world affairs stuff. And, but I, I didn't realize to what extent they had been doing it in other areas. You know, they're, they're really trying to show at least some signs of some reform in other areas. And then the sports thing, it goes in with that. So, I was just kind of looking at the sports thing itself, but I was kind of thinking of it like we we kind of talk about it like, you know, with the Khashoggi murder and, you know, you just do have to say because it's the truth, you know, with the backwardness of the regime and the, the treatment of women and, and other right. things like that, that, that they were just kind of throwing the money at the sports as like a distraction to look good. It's a little deeper than that. Like that's just part of the plan and it, it has to do with, some reforms in some other areas that they want to show the world and it's all kind of rolled up in that plan. So it's not quite the sports only thing just to look good. And a lot of people are reporting on it that way. It's, it's a little deeper than that. I mean, that is a component of it, but it, it goes, it goes deeper than that, but then it helps explain to me where all this money's coming from. I mean, it just, it does seem like, you know, they've gotten, you know, they always had the oil money, but now they've gotten, they've just gotten so much oil money that they like have so much, so much money that they don't even know what to do with it. And they're using it for this, this image, some reform, you know, there is actually some reform with it. There, there is actually some real reform, you know, it's just the tip of the iceberg, but um, yeah, it's all part of that. So 
I guess I guess where I'm tying that back into Wilder and Haney, and you heard these rumors of the which it would be crazy from a boxing fan perspective. I mean, if these guys throw out so much money that they actually are going to do the Fury Usyk Wilder Joshua doubleheader at the end of the year, which that appears to be the goal. I mean, that would be crazy, but think of how much money they've got to be throwing around to even have that be a real possibility. But it, it seems like they are throwing around that kind of money. So I guess, I guess these four, I mean, Usyk's already going with it. So, you know, let's, let's face it. I mean, people say, oh, with Usyk, it's not about, it's about like everybody else. You know, he, he, t- he took, he already took the Saudi money. So there, there's one guy that's on board right there. So, you know, it, it, it just seems to be just obscene amounts of money they're throwing around. So I guess, you know, this rumor this week is that they they want Wilder and Haney now. So we'll, we'll just have to see what Wilder and Haney do if that rumor's true. Yeah, I mean, even if, you know, I think it really does help for them that they got Usyk because that's three belts. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, they got that now. That does show they mean business. Now, you could make the argument, well, it wouldn't be an argument. He's going to be the cheapest out of all those, right? right. No, right. no one's going to be cheap, you know, but I'm saying, he, you know, as far as revenue. He's the, only one that hasn't hit the, he's the only one of the four that hasn't hit the Forbes list. Right, exactly. Way to put, exactly, way to put it perfectly. And, but, but having him does say, hey, you got to go to them. Um, you know, so, but even if we can just get a fun stylistic fight in Wilder and Joshua, that would be a great way to go out this year. But yeah, like you said, if that could get the four man tournament winner faces each other, that would be, that would be something. And and talk about a way to go out with a bang, um, you know, with how this 2023 year has gone. If we do get, you know, Canelo Charlo, if we do get, Benavides Morales and some of the other ones, undisputed fight we just talked about earlier with Charlo and Zoo. I mean, and then amongst other fights that we could get down the stretch here. So that that would be a hell of a way to do it. Um, but I appreciate you stopping in, and uh, I'll definitely uh, you know be be live at the Armory. Entertain you know hopefully just a bunch of entertaining bouts. That's what it kind of looks like. I think you know. Lumen Arios or Arias, you know Arias with a full camp. Those, you know, I actually think, like I said, I think it's just a good TV fight. It's not something that, um, you know, is like really important. I mean, sure, we know it's always important to the fighters, but it's kind of like either climbing up the ladder or keeping your spot. Especially Carlos, who needs to put on a, a, a you know, a good show, and I think he will. Uh, but hopefully, you know, we get. Some two-way stuff in some of these fights where we don't, you know, think that that was the case. Um, you know what the fight was, John, real quick. Brian Perella and Jamonte Clark was what I thought they were going to put on because it was on box rec for the last few days. And I thought they were going to – and that's not to say it can't still be on there. Uh, it was going to be at 154. And, it, and I believe, just because I, we already know the Showtime triple header, I believe that was going to be part of the Showtime YouTube. But whether that fight's on the move or whatever, but I was kind of looking forward to that mid-level crossroads fight. 
between Perella and Clark. That's the fight I was going to talk about just randomly, but I I open up box rec and it's gone now. Yeah, that that is a decent fight. I did see that today. I saw it on DraftKings today, and I, I thought like you did. I thought, oh, yeah, Clark I've been seeing it too now. I think right. that's an that is an interesting fight. Yeah, that that'll be a good fight. Um, if that, yeah. But so it, uh, it may have moved, you know. It may move. Maybe it, it's gonna go someplace else. I'm not sure. We'll see. It has a way of doing that. All of a sudden, you're like, no, it's there, you know. So it, 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 it we'll see. Yeah, that that is. I agree. That's good. And Arias and Lubin. The, what I look for now, Arias isn't a puncher. Uh, Lubin, through his career, has done very well against non-punchers. So I, I think. What I'm just going to look for there is if, if Lubin can't handle Arias, then right. he's probably deteriorating coming off that fight of the year to me with Fundora, where you know they both took a ton of punishment. Um, so for him, you know, fighting a non-puncher, usually type of style he handles well. If he's having trouble uh, coming off that vicious beating he took against Fundora, even though he got his own licks in. Uh, then right. you know we might be moving on the downside. And then Fernando uh, Martinez will be in the uh, against a pretty game fighter. I think it's Bernia. That could be in a good action fight. Like I said, nothing stands way out by any stretch. But hopefully we get some competitive fights. I appreciate you stopping in. And by the way, I'm going to be out of town. Uh, early week next week. So I'm going to do a Sunday afternoon podcast uh, before I leave town uh, this Sunday, kind of recapping some stuff, just a heads up, just give me a little for, uh, you know, warning. Okay, Chris, that sounds good. Well, enjoy those uh, fights uh, Saturday night. Yes, sir. You take it easy, John. Have a good one. Okay, Chris, have a good one. Thanks for having me. Yep. Definitely, as always. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just kind of, you know, cleaning up some of that stuff from the, well, we have the Frazier-Clark. Going into this fight, Frazier-Clark, you know, he definitely um, has it, like, from the fights I've seen, he doesn't have a ton of fights. He doesn't have a, a lot of good fights, right, as far as, like, competition. But I, I have, I did like I have liked his left hook to the body and just over, excuse me, just overall his attack to the body, especially left hook. Um, walk, you know, definitely the jab right hand. Uh, just likes landing his right hand in general. You know, where was walk? <laughs> you know, at this point in his career, he didn't look great physically. Um, you know, overall slow fight. Uh, Clark did some decent work early and some decent work late, but it was it was bad. It was pretty bad, you know, mediocre to say the the least. Um, and now they have, uh, you know, according to Ben Shalom, Fabio Wardley. You know, Eddie Hearn has been back and forth, uh, and there was a there was going to be. Um, well, no, I think Ben was saying he wanted to try to get him rounds, uh, Clark, and that's why he didn't want to go right to Fabio, which I get it. I mean, he's he, do, he doesn't have a lot of fights, you know. Um, I think that was the seventh, wasn't it? Maybe it was the eighth, something like that. So, but Fabio Wardley later this year, 
maybe would Clark have one more and then fight him later? Or did he get his rounds in and now he's he's got this one? We'll see. Uh, but like I said, pretty ho-hum. And then congratulations to uh, Julissia Alejandra Guzman. She pulled a huge upset, knocked down or knocked out uh, Ramala Ali. She knocked her down, I think it was the fifth round, if I remember correctly, and then dropped her hard in the eighth round. So we'll see if Ali, uh, you know, how she comes back from that. That's uh, That was pretty brutal, I will say that. Um, and like I said, uh, I do think, you know, J-Rock with a full camp will present some problems early. And like I said, maybe it's only two rounds. Maybe it's only three rounds. I'm not trying to say J-Rock's going to pull the upset. Um, Now, if you think so, you know, you should definitely put some money on it. Um, But in in Jerwin Conhas, in a stay-busy, tune-up type fight on the the, uh, undercard, um, there's some eh, fights. Ray Robinson. Actually, not that Ray Robinson, uh, uh, I think like an undefeated, I think he's only 1-0. Uh, Robert uh, Merriweather third. I think he's 3-0 now, 4-0, something like that. Um, Kel Spencer, some of these are going to be walkovers, obviously. Uh, Wilner Soto is who Unconhas is fighting. Um, and then Bo Gibbs Jr., who, wait a second, didn't? Bo Gibbs Jr., didn't he? Oh, wait, yeah, 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 he fought Foster, but that was a while ago. I was thinking it was earlier this year, but he's taking on Sean McCollum. He's uh, McCallum. He's 12-0 prospect. Um, that might be a good fight for him. Um, we'll see. And like I said, Caleb Truix against Burley Brooks. Um, yeah, Arias, like you said, he's definitely not a big puncher. Um, and some of it is, you know, living off that uh, Jared Hurd win from, like, right around two years ago, the upset. Um, he hasn't fought in about a year. Um, let's see who he fought. It was kind of a nondescript guy. I know he lost to, to Alexander and then Keeler. Yeah, Keeler, so he had a – so he lost to Jacobs, Rosado, a split – that split draw – and then Luke Keeler, yeah, that was actually before on points. And, of course, he beat Hurd. So it was Jimmy Williams. So, yeah, I think Erickson Lubin should win this fight. That's not really going out on a limb, right? Um, but, you know, I wouldn't doubt if it's a good style fight while it lasts. Lubin usually does have success, like he was saying. Um, and then Fernando Martinez, you know, depending – Depending on, like, the ranking, I, I think he's, like, I want to say he's, like, fifth or sixth in one of the, I think it's ring, and maybe the transnationally seventh, sixth, something like that. But he's definitely in the top ten. Um, he, 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 speaking of Ancajos, or Ancajos, he, he beat him back-to-back. That, that was, uh, that's the last time we've seen him. He beat, he beat him last year twice. Um, and he's taking on Bornea, who, you know, he's an unbeaten guy. Um, he doesn't have a ton of experience. You know, if you look at his box rec, Mohammed 
a body or a, a body or whatever this guy's name is. I remember seeing uh, that fight. Um, I believe that was like at the beginning of last year, if I remember correctly. But you could look at that guy's record, right? And you go, oh, okay, well, you know, it's not that bad. That's his best win. But when you look at who he's faced, you know, now I'll say this. He dude out right away. He, he went 10 rounds uh, the fight before. It, it's basically like we're going to find out about this Philippine dude. You know what I mean? That, that We're going to find out. About him. I, don't, I don't really know exactly, you know, how good he is. Um, like I said, I think I just – and did I see the full fight or was it just the highlights of that? I can't remember. I think I saw, like, multiple fights of his as far as, like, just the highlights. Um, but, yeah, that – that as far as my knowledge now, I don't have it, like, you know, I don't have the information 100%, but I don't – you know, I don't think um, – <clears throat> Pretty sure that that's not gonna happen now that Pirelli and Clark. But you know, if you ever cover these events live, fights can just pop on and pop off, and, and, and just because it's not on box rec now, it might. Obviously, I favor Edgar Berlanga. He's been out of the ring for a while. Um, Adam Kuznowski, um, you know, he's taking on what Joe Kuzmano, something like that. I think the guy's been stopped once, and I think it was real quick, wasn't it? Yeah, against uh, a few years back against Daniel Dubois. That's who it was. And um, you know, I, I don't, I don't really, I, I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't really know much about what they're trying. You know, is he going to try to build back? Are they trying to, you know, get him in play to fight someone? I don't know, but. Um, the best fight, clearly, you know, is uh, Joshua Franco, um, who I thought did enough to beat Kazuto, what is it, Kazuto, Ioka, um, and obviously Franco had those, what, three fights in a row, I think, one was, uh, one was during the pan. it was early in that pandemic ESPN cards, if I remember correctly. Uh, there was a no contest in there, and then he really cleanly won, uh, you know, the last one. He had those uh, – the trilogy with uh, um, Negret, Negret too, yeah. So and, – and, and by the way, you know, split decision draw, won the next fight, split decision, another split decision draw. Looked really good in that last fight against Maloney. So, and I thought he, I thought he overachieved minorly against Ioki. I, I, I didn't know if he was going to win that, but kind of looking at how that fight went. I mean, these dudes were going for it. Kind of interesting though. Like they threw a ton of punches, right? I can't remember um, where it ranks as far as copy box goes. Like it's up there though. You know, it's one of the let me see if I where the hell was that number? But I mean, these dudes threw a ton of punches. I mean, it was fun to watch, and um, I thought I had a stat where it, it ranked. Maybe I'll see it later. But either way, um, that was on the New, New Year's Eve, 
I believe, in Japan, of course. Uh, the cards, I think one of them had it for Franco, 115, 113, and the other were a draw. The other two were a draw, obviously. Um, if you look at it, I thought uh, the the first like rounds one through three, and maybe like the fifth. I think it was the fifth round, something like that. Um, Ioka outlanded him, right? Um, and then like, well, I suppose the fourth round because I just said one through five, one through three, and then five, and then six through twelve, Franco definitely outlanded him. Now I think it was, yeah, here it is, twenty-four to fourteen in the twelfth round. That was like the biggest, you know, differential there uh, as far for Franco in favor. That was the twelfth round. Um, he, I mean, Franco outworked him activity-wise. Obviously, you'll see the stats in a second or hear him. Uh, he was definitely the aggressor, um, but he wasn't all that accurate. He was just ongoingly coming at him, where Ioka landed plenty of clean-ass punches and, and definitely more accuracy. I mean, look at the numbers. Um, Ioka actually landed more, 214 to 202, and Ioka through plenty, 797, but 27% compared to 14%. I mean, 27 to 14 is a big difference, but Franco landing or throwing 1,400 punches, over 14, 14, 12. So even if he were to get it down to, you know, 1,000 or 1,100, whatever, right, just be more accurate. I mean, the guy threw... Over 500 punches less than you and landed 10 more. So, but I'll say this. I think in in this type of fight, and by the way, there's 90 seconds left on the live stream, 646-381-4990. That's 646-381-4990. That's the number to dial if you want to listen to the back half of the show here. But Ioka being 34, right? Just turned 34, I think. I looked it up. I think it was April. Um, and then you got a guy in Franco who seems to be well, – he's only 27, right, still. Is he still on the rise? Not necessarily. He's been in some hard fights or whatever, but he's definitely in his prime comparatively. And I think that fact right there, the fact that he can improve, I think, his accuracy in the second fight, and how he improves, he's proven it now, that he can improve in the second fight once he spots you. So I, I do favor Franco. Um, and like I said, when you talk about a 50-50 fight, I mean, on FanDuel, minus 112, both of them, plus 100 on Bet MGM. that's Ioka, plus 100. Um, plus 100 on Bet. Betway, minus 125, minus 105. I mean, this thing is 50-50. It just is, right? It is, man. It's This is going to be a good fight. I don't see, you know, this is from Tokyo again. Um, so that's where, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, I am kind of surprised that we don't have some sort of outlet for it yet. But here's hoping it'll happen. I like Franco by decision. Not saying he's going to knock anybody out. I'm not trying to say Ioka's done and completely shot worn and just not good anymore or something like that. Completely done. 
But, you know, at these weight classes, at that age, I think that, I don't know, can Ioka put in a better performance? I thought he fought really well competitive in that fight. Um, I think he could have given the, you know, Joshua Franco that 115-113. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, I think you could have given him the fight, but Landed 14% is pretty wild. Ioka also went to the body 96-60 in the jab. So, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, it's going to be in Japan, so we'll see. But I like Franco to get it done um, in the rematch per usual. That's how he does it. Um, And then, what, I think all the way to last Wednesday, the Pro Box TV – um, like the the fight night that that was uh, I saw that one I think it was like a I think it was a triple header uh, Franklin Gonzalez um, uh, was he got knocked out right I think he was knocked out um, by Saul Sanchez that was the main event that was the main event um, and then uh, Cardoso I believe beat uh, Alvarez, Oscar Alvarez. I think it was uh, TKO. And then uh, Dominic Valle, um, he looked pretty good, too. He looked pretty good. He's a prospect. Um, still got something to work on. We'll see how they move him and whatnot. But, yeah, that that was, a, that was kind of an interesting card there. I mean, you know, for what it was anyway. Um That's about it for the weekend. Um, you know, with, with that lawsuit, like I said, a lot of it has to do with California, Nevada stuff. You know, I mean that that really does make a difference when it comes to this. Um, there was this. I think this is from Coppingers. Unless otherwise directed by the commission. Okay, this is something else. Unless otherwise directed by the commission, a contract between a boxer and a manager or a boxer and a promoter, not valid unless both parties appear at the same time before the commission or a commission representative and it receives a written approval. No contract shall be approved between a manager and a boxer or a promoter for a period exceeding five years. No option to extend the initial, no option to extend the initial period shall be permitted. Um, and like I said, I brought up that seven-year thing with top rank. Uh, it's five years now. Um, and this is what – this is actually from it, like I said. Um, Garcia also argued the Gold Boy violation. Um, he signed Gold Boy with 2016 and re-signed September 18, 2019. Um, Garcia claims that the contract should be terminated as of November 1st. Uh, going off that De La Hoya thing, De La Hoya himself argued that Top Rank violated the seven-year rule when it sued Bob Arum back in 2000. Just to uh, go over that, because I know I got uh, some messages on that. So, you know, it's up in there. I'm not going to act like I know exactly, you know, what that means, you know. Um, now, as far as, okay, Canelo 
Charlo. So we heard last, was it last week we started hearing about Badu Jack and whatnot? Um, and we heard, I think, two years ago or something like that, Badu Jack said, hey, I'd be willing to fight him if he wants to come to Cruiserweight. Actually, I take that back. Now that he's at Cruiserweight and he's a WBC champ, he, I think two years ago, in 2021, he was saying that he would go down and wait to fight Canelo because of the payday. Now that he's at Cruiserweight, it's a little bit different. This is his words. Um, I won't be fighting Canelo next. They said the weight difference is too much. They wanted me to drink. They wanted to drain the old man and fight me 20 pounds under Cruiserweight limit for the title, plus a rehydration clause. Um, he says, Canelo, let's give the fans what they want. See, you know, fight. fight. Uh, he said, for the record, I agreed to 190 catch weight for the title. Um, and like I said, people have been bringing up something, and I think Canelo retweeted it, um, you know, about him saying, I, I want it, I'd be willing to go down. But, you know, um, it is what it is. Like, I'm not, I don't get caught up too much in that. Um, we know for a while, though, the cruiserweight um, uh, dreams <laughs> um, or potential goal, right, um, was there. In fact, you know, they mentioned it at the WBC. Right at the at the convention or whatever. I think Eddie Reynoso mentioned it, and and I think what was it the guy that Badu beat, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the guy who Badu beat, who was there before, and he just beat him not long ago. I think I think that was him, if I remember correctly. And um, you know, I mean, and now he's been. It's been what? I mean, he's been up. Let me let me see. How long is Badu Jack? How many fights did he have at Cruiserweight? So he fought Cruiserweight in this fight before that. He had an easy win there. So, yeah, he's been at Cruiserweight since, well, he had a fight. It looks like he, oh, yeah, he had that fight on the undercard of uh, of uh, Mayweather in Logan Paul, he weighed in at 177 in that fight. Now, his last quote-unquote big fight was against Jean Pascal. That was light heavyweight. But ever since 2021, November 2021, he fought in Dubai, and that's where he was a cruiserweight. So, you know, I mean, it is what it is. Like, he's saying, at one point, I was down to fight him. But now he's at Cruiserweight. He was willing to go to 190. Can't make 180. That's what he's saying. Okay. Um, but we also heard, we heard this from ESPN. We heard it a couple different ways. Canelo Alvarez, Jamal Charlo is reportedly now expected to happen next. And obviously, WB, you know, the, all the belts will be on, you know, on, uh, on the stake. You know, more than likely. Let's see. Um, so that would be what September sixteenth. So September sixteenth, um, and I'll say this: like, it's not that I I like the fight. I've always thought it was an interesting fight, especially if Charlo can. Uh, 
I guess you could say, find that jab, right? That jab that he had. We were on a, I was on a space last night. Shouts out to uh, Lefty and the whole crew there. Um, Chicken Talk plus a variety of other spaces that they have. Um, you know, getting back to that Sergey uh, Derevyanchenko. I mean, I can never say his fucking name, but that jab and that right hand and just the the fundamentals he showed in that fight. If he can bring that back, I think he'd have a good fight or a good chance to give Canelo a good fight, and I give him a chance to upset him. Now, being out for two years is rough, right? Now, I don't think he's going to try to outbox him, but you're still going to have to have your timing and all that stuff. He he had a back injury. He's had some mental health issues. Um, We're talking about, you know, Maul Charlo, but he's not a guy that blows way up in weight. Neither guy is. Neither brother is, right? So it, it does surprise me just because he's been out for so long. Um, now there are reports, legitimate reports that Eddie and Canelo, you know, as they were going around, going to Saudi, going here, going there, they met with Al. So now is this a fight where they're going to take this fight and then fight, you know, the winner of maybe it's Benavidez and Morel. I don't know, but then look to fight, you know, in, in, in Cinco de Mayo and Benavidez, if he were to get by Morel, if that fight happens. And so he'll fight a two-fight deal, or, you know, he'll sign a two-fight deal. I don't know. I really don't know. But it does seem like it's pointing to this fight. It really, all signs, I think it's going to happen. And, you know, what will the WBC do? They'll prop, my guess is, They'll more than I don't know. Maybe he's going to be like, you know what? I'm not going back to 160. And then they'll just, as long as Carlos wins this weekend, you know, they'll they'll make him full champ. Um, or they'll do that. You have 10 days, 14 days after the Canelo fight to see if you want to go back to middleweight. I mean, he probably just go to 168 now. He hasn't fought in two years, more than likely. But that's just me talking. You know, that's just me talking. Now, it would make sense, you know, and then and then Jermel having a big fight coming up, move up to middleweight after if he were to win. He'd probably have the rematch. If not, maybe it's going to be a great fight, you know, and they have the rematch just naturally. I don't know, okay? I have no clue. I'm not going to act like I know exactly what the hell's going on with that, okay? However... I'll still take that fight, you know. Um, Canelo, the last two fights had – well, I I suppose last three, I think Bivol had something a lot to do with the – not looking great in that fight, but the Golovkin fight, even his last fight, didn't look at his peak powers anymore. Now, is he washed? No. So that might even it out. You know, maybe the fact that – maybe Canelo knows, hey, man, I, I, I need to look good here. Let's take on Charlo first, see if I can get that dub, and then, you know, fight Benavides. I don't know. Stuff to say. That would work. That would work, you know. Um, and it is an undefeated name, and it's going to do great numbers. And 
you know, people were speculating, would it be in Texas? Would it be at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio? Would it be at the ballpark, baseball park in, in, in Houston? Um, would it be in Vegas? You know, we know USC's going that night, but that hasn't stopped Canelo before, and he's a guy that could still do a huge gate there. And Charlo, the Charlo brand, and we found out lately that people still, the casuals don't know the difference sometimes, right? So, and if you look at both Charlos got on Fox, but Jermel, and like I said, the Charlo brand, the Charlo brothers are kind of connected casually, right? And you can see some of the ratings. They they both got on that card, but also Maul fought, what, two, or Mel, excuse me, (laughs) fought two more times, and they were really good ratings. So I still think that's a really good B-side, and I think it does a big, big number, and then it would really set up a Benavides fight, or I guess you could say Morrell. I don't know. But anyway, that's what I'm thinking that's going to happen, not just because I said it, but I do think that that's got a good shot of happening. Now, okay, does that mean that David, the, the Battle of the David, David Benavides, David Morrell Jr. We've heard about a possible undercard fight with uh, the the rematch with uh, Mendoza and Fedora. We'll see. But Dan Raphael, David Benavides, David Morrell is now agreed. Now agreed in principle. Agreed in principle. Now we know. Let let's calm down on that. Now these. Two are on the same side of the street, so it helps, right, as far as being representative some way with the BBC, right? So they don't have the same promoters, but they're on the same side of the Showtime and BBC. So, you know, and and they've been in, in Samson, say what you want about him, but he will say a lot of shit, right? But, you know. He can get the shit done, too. So, I mean, this makes sense for him, but in the same breath, I don't know. But here's Benavides. He said, this is false. We haven't agreed to anything. And that's where – and this is this is Dan Raphael's uh, from his sub stack. It said, the sides have reached a deal in principle for their fight. Doesn't mean it's done. It's, uh, it's going to be on Showtime pay-per-view. Uh, determined in October, possibly November. That's what Ben, you know, Samson uh, Lukabitz said to him. Fight freaks unite, right? We have an agreement. We are with the same network. It's easy to get an agreement. I strongly believe it's more. Okay, yeah, yeah he says that other stuff, right? And uh, Warriors Boxing, you know, Morell's co-promoter, um, you know, that's the plan for them too. Okay. Now we don't. But we don't know if it's, you know, a done deal, right? Um, <laughs> but Morell, you know, he's coming out swinging. I mean, this dude, he called, okay, David Benavides is a big bitch. His dad is a big fraud, always talking like he's some tough guy, but he's a small guy with little man complex. His brother wants to be a gangster who talks a lot of shit, but got knocked out by Crawford and did a horrible job in the movie Creed. Well, come on now. Come on now, David. 
Uh, Benavidez is a bunch of cowards. No, they're not. This is the guy that is called a Mexican monster. He's a fraud. This is the guy everyone is building up. I see a fat, insecure boy. That's what I see. Benavides couldn't walk down any street in Cuba without getting his shoes taken. Funny he calls Canelo a duck. Who's the duck now? Golly. I mean, jeez. That's that's intense. That is intense. Um, you know, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I do not know. I do not know. Um, that would be a great fight, though. I've always said whether it's Shishkin, a combination of Shishkin and um, and uh, even Uzgadji, whatever. I would have liked to seen him take a couple more steps uh, before taking on a guy that's in his prime like Benavides, who's a handful. Now, don't get me wrong. David Morrell Jr. is a handful. We've seen him improve. If you look at, we were talking about this in the space last night, I think it was his third fight or fourth fight, he went the 12-round distance. If you compare almost the 12-round, he did get the stoppage late. Luckily, that guy is... Uh, you know, uh, doing a little bit better anyway. But if you look at how he performed in that basically 12-round fight, comparatively, if you look at the amateur habits and stuff he had to get out of the system and learn and, and craft himself to the pro ranks, he looked a lot better against a better opponent in 12 rounds. So the fact that he's basically got 12 rounds twice, that really helps to get those rounds there. That that should help in a fight, um, especially, you know, against a championship-level guy in David Benavides. I mean, there's a fair amount of people that say Benavides is in his prime, Canelo's not, he's going to win. Um, this would be a great fight, a phenomenal fight. Let's hope it gets across the line. I don't know if it's going to, but that would be great. Caleb Plant has come out and said he's got a big opponent. Coming up next, we'll see. Is it Demetrius Andre? That would be great. Speaking of opponents, as far as big names, but uh, not going to be fighting maybe someone we like. I don't know. We'll see, but it's from Boxing Social. Eddie Hearn has now confirmed the Anthony Joshua Dillian White rematch will not be happening next. And uh, they're still looking at that August 12th date. Um, Hearn denied the rumors of White's demand of 10 mil, um, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem like they were on the same page. Um, Ajit Caballo, I think that's how you say it, is a name that's got tossed around. And according to SkySports.com, Jarrell, the other big baby Miller, to be offered a replacement opponent. Well, it's not about a replacement. What? It's not replacement opponent. Because um, they never had an opponent, so it can't be replaced. Uh, everything boxing, that's actually, the, yeah. Oh, that's Sky Sports. They said that. My bad. Sky Sports. So if he ends up fighting Big Baby Miller, I mean, it's boxing. So we see people, we were just talking about Canelo. We, we remember Ortiz popped on a quote-unquote blood pressure pills and 
Wilder fought him later. Pavekin popped twice. It still got fights against AJ, speaking of. Uh, I don't know, but according to, this is more Eddie Hearn, IFL TV, um, Ryan Garcia, he's made his move. I never had one conversation with Ryan Garcia um, or his, you know, his manager about Ryan Garcia. They have a plan. They've made their decision about what they want to do, and it's not natural. Um, And then Garcia followed up, just throwing this out there, but why would Eddie Hearn say this? I've never spoken about any move yet. He might have heard someone that was not accurate. Um, now he also said if Deontay Wilder is going to fight Anthony Joshua, he definitely is not going to fight Andy, Andy Ruiz. There's no way the Saudis would allow Wilder to fight back at the end of August, September before he fights. As far as that fight, well, would allow, there's no way the that Saudi would allow Wilder to fight in August and September before he fights, but they're going to allow Anthony Joshua to? Or does he mean Andy Ruiz, they wouldn't like that kind of risk? It'd be just too much. And, you know, to be fair, I guess you could say they, they could always go back to, you know, um, that fight if he, in fact, loses. Because <clears throat> it's still got, you know, some market here. Um, I don't know. Um, Oh, yeah, Pro Box TV, couple things from them. This is Broadway Joel. Breaking news, Samson Boxing has signed a deal with Pro Boxing TV. This will give Dominicans who have not fought in America or in America or on TV opportunity to make a name for themselves. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that to an extent, but, you know, that that's good. I've, I've enjoyed what I've you know seen on Pro Box a, a fair amount. Uh, I think it's, you know, just fine. Uh, speaking of Pro Box, though, they said that not only Wilder, but Haney, too. Wilder joint. It says Wilder joins. This is what it said a while back now. Wilder joins skill challenge promotion, and Haney is set to follow. Now, Tay Jones, who's in Wilder's camp, who is pretty good at relaying information, he has a line to Espinosa. He doesn't just come out randomly he's saying it's capped uh we'll see though i like to just take it from all angles pause um but this is what it said uh and this is declan warrington declan warrington so that they're they're saying that you know he he says joints like it's already a done deal uh has agreed to promotional terms with skill channel now is it a two-fight deal is he joined it like joined it like Badu Jack and, and Usyk and all that I don't know uh, Haney's father trainer manager he goes on to talk about that um, I don't know we'll, we'll find out maybe he will fight a two-fight deal or you know beyond that maybe he's good that's where he's gonna spend the rest of his career I really don't know I, I can't say that I know for a fact I just won't uh, this is more boxing social. Eddie Hearn, he stated that he wants Dimitri Bivol to, to defend his WBA lightweight versus Dan Aiz or Anthony Yard next. Aziz. Aziz, I think, has a is going to have a different fight, though. 
He said he plans to speak to George Warren about Yard and will approach uh, Aziz if he is a free agent. Okay, I'm thinking about somebody else, I think. I'm thinking about somebody else. Okay, we have a variety of other news and, of course, um, you know, some... Oh, by the way, there was this report about Sabril Matias and Sergei Lipinets, which is just an all-action fight, right? Um, for August 26th, this is Coppinger. He says the site of the, PB, uh, the, site of the PBC on Showtime fight, which shapes up to be a slugfest, was not disclosed. That's what Coppinger said, okay? Uh, however... This is Dan Raphael. ESPN, ESPN's report is wrong. Per Steven Espinoza, we do not have Matias versus Lipinitz or any other fight scheduled for August 26th, nor do we currently have any plans to schedule a Showtime Championship Boxing telecast on that date. That's on the record from the boss, not sources. So that doesn't mean that fight's going away, but... Oh, yeah, Ramart, uh, Raymart Gabayo, I think it is. He took on – it was a good win. This is actually uh, – someone sent this to me. This was yesterday, right? Yeah, the um, against Michael Bravo. This is a boxing scene staff. Um, this is a hard-fought battle. Yeah, I saw, like, a good chunk of highlights on this one. The scorecards were 95-94 for Bravo with the two of them for Gabayo. 9693. Um Yeah, I saw I saw some highlights of that. Maybe I should watch the the full thing. I know he had cuts. Was it on Actually, I think it was I think it was both eyes, wasn't it? Yeah, it says right here. Suffered cuts on both both eyes. Uh but he, you know, displayed resilience and determination. Yeah, I, I just off like a, a limited highlight. I that's what I got out of it, too. Um, this is Keith Eidick. He's been informed, Jer- and this is official, too. Jared Anderson will now fight um, Charles Martin. It sounds like the Kazakhstan fighter who was coming over there, Zahn, um, it's 11-day notice replacement because he's having visa issues. So, um, you know, I like this fight, right? But I'm just wondering what kind of shape Charles Martin is in. You know what I mean? That's the only thing, like, it's not a drawback, but for an 11-day replacement, I think it's pretty fucking good. You know what I mean? I think it's pretty good. But I would really, I'd like that test. I wish, I wish this was a set fight to give him at least six weeks seven-week camp, you know what I mean? But uh, we'll see how ready Charles Martin is. Um, In fact, didn't he just fight not long ago on an undercard? I think he did. I think it – let me double-check real quick because that plays into a two as far as his shape. Um, And, and, you know, uh, yeah. Well, not just, <laughs> not just. He fought last uh, last September. 
So no, it's not. He had just fought for some reason. I think I thought it was earlier this year, but no, uh, I guess I'm confusing it with the early part of the year, the year before when he took on Ortiz, and I actually put up a good fight in that one, even though you know he got frozen, ended up getting beat. But uh, hmm, that's interesting. <clears throat> we do have the numbers for Munguia and uh, Gervayanchenko. 6,000 stole. This is at the Toyota Arena last weekend, or two weekends ago, I should say. Uh, they had 1,000 comps. That's normal. Uh, they sold 6,381. The gate was uh, 427,325, so over 400,000. Um, pretty good. I actually thought it'd be a little bit more, but then again, you know, they didn't. I don't think they had a lot of time before that fight to sell them. Um, so Tiafima Lopez has revealed that Ryan Garcia messaged him this week, you know, last week, um, to try and set up a fight between them. Ryan DM'd me and everything. Bro's desperate for a payday. He DM'd me after Josh Taylor. I deleted it. But yet he's talking about big money. Teofimo Lopez was also asked about Gervonta Davis, Devin Haney, Shakur Stevenson, all options for him. He said, for me, nah, those are my babies. They look up to Teofimo, let them fight each other. Everybody wants Teofimo to fight, but Ryan Garcia Tank are the only ones who fought. And it's like, now hold on, didn't you say, and by the way, he also said, he put out this uh, poll, how well did I play the fool, a.k.a. crazy, role for the entire Taylor Lopez matchup leading to our historic fight. And the poll was, I got fooled. I thought you were crazy. I didn't believe you. You should be an actor. <laughs> so I'll give him credit for that one. I'll give him a little credit for that one. That's uh, By the way, Devin Haney has been fined $25,000 by the Nevada uh, Commission for shoving uh, Vasily. The commission initially held te- uh, 10%. 400000 of the listed purse, but 375000 has been returned to him. So something to remember when it comes to that stuff. But this is, you know, I, know, I don't believe it. You know what I mean? I don't believe that he was going to quit. Or I should say retire. Teofimo Lopez. Right? I didn't believe that. I thought, ah, I, I just don't see it. But not that long after, and this is just a couple days ago, boxing scene, Sean Nam, the only way I come back is a multi-fight deal direct with a network and not a promoter. That's what he said, okay? Lopez has stated that the only way he'd come back or coach to returning the sport would be a nine-figure contract, but then he don't want to fight Tank and Haney and those guys. Like, why wouldn't he want to fight Tank? That's how you're going to get any kind of nine figures. Um, he reiterated the sentiments during a recent interview. Um, basically, the Brooklyn native also noted that the, the the hypothetical deal would have to be, oh, would yeah, it'd have to be with the network. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Lopez is promoted by Top Rank, which has exclusive output deal. The only way I come back, like I said, is for a multi- Multi-bout nine-figure deal, but um, he said the people misunderstood what I mean. It's not just a good fight. 
not just coming back for a good fight. He's looking for a three to five year or like six to eight fight deal with the network, not a promoter or anything, but just directly with the network because I'm my own promotion. The only reason, why would you, when you say network, why don't you just sign with Al once you're free? It's just funny. The only reason why I know what boxing industry is going on, if they want me to come back, I'm okay with that. I sacrifice my greatness. Um, no one expected me to call out retirement. They expected me to say Gervonta and all this bullshit, but I'm free, and we'll see if he actually is. I'm a businessman. I'm very smart. I'm not a stupid kid. I'm very intelligent. He was saying this to a bunch of people, fight hype included. I remember seeing this. Uh, he became Picasso, he says. <laughs> uh, you become a guy to paint whatever you want to see. Um, he also stated that, you know, his next fight is in the courtroom uh, for the divorce proceedings. And he did, I did see that picture he put out, um, you know, with his kids. So that's that part of it's cool. Um, this is Dan the Man Boxing. Danny, great account. Um, make sure you follow him. Um, and, and when they were talking about Samson posted this as far as it uh, looks like the fight will be on Spence Crawford, Garcia Ramos. Yeah, there is traction. It sounds like Jesus Ramos, what is it, Alejandro, is taking out Sergio Garcia, which I really, really like this fight. Now, Rojas and Diego Santiago Sanchez is the other fight listed. That's a good fight, too. But I really would like Ramos against Garcia, a proven solid guy. Nothing crazy, you know, but he's been in there. And it's where Ramos is and what age he's at. Sign me up for that. Now, here is this. So this is the second time he said this now. I'm talking about Regis Progray. Progray wants the third and final fight of the matchroom deal to come against Sabril Matias. I just The plan is we're going to fight New Orleans, which he just did. Then in Texas, maybe San Antonio or in Houston, probably against a Hispanic fighter. And then after that, I would think I'd go for a belt. Hearn has talked to Matias. I think that's the route I'm going. Now, is this an old – is this an old – based off the old interview? Or not old, old, but fairly old? Because I've already – I already covered this one. Um, but it does say, Matias, you know, we don't know exactly if he's, it sounds like he's staying with them, but it's, you know, uh, it's been well reported that he was a free agent exploring his options the last few months, but news broke on Friday that he is, he's agreed to accept the offer to face Lipinets. It has not been established if the agreement is part of a bigger multi-fight deal with the PBC or Matias were made a free agent after. There we go. I heard Matias, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, I don't know. I mean, he's talking about Devin Haney. Eddie's talking a lot about Devin Haney, talking a lot about, you know, Tiafima Lopez. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's just all talk until they get the, you know. I just don't know why, once again, if you wanted – You wanted all these fights. What the hell are you signing on the zone for? Now, maybe they do get Matias after this. Maybe Devin Haney. It, he needs Devin Haney to sign with Matchroom. 
at this point. Now, maybe T, maybe Mashroom throws a bunch. I don't think they're going to throw a nine-figure contract. I mean, listen to what I just said. <laughs> a nine-figure contract, only seven figures to a million. So that's, I mean, that's wild. I don't think the zone ever would have done that, but I don't know, man. And then, you know, like I said, could Ramirez maybe sign with them? Sure. He could. Do they want to put a bunch of money into him and then have that fight? I don't I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not sure if they if they think that moves the needle. I think it moves the needle consider it's better than Catterall or it's better than it's it's better than Hitchens. Um, Richardson Hitchens, you know, as far as like somewhat moving the needle, but I think if Haney doesn't sign there, I'd assume that he's going to fight Hitchens next. He he mentioned, I mean, because I think he'll beat Montana Love, but he mentioned a Hispanic fighter. We'll see. Um, today, Jack, 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 Jake Donovan. And, you know, thoughts go out to him and his family. Um, Alberto Fueyu is suspended six months by the Nevada State Commission for prior drug testing infraction. Now, from the sounds of it, he doesn't have a, a fine. He will face six months, but he avoided uh, further disciplinary action and avoided a fine. Now, they still got to figure out you know, he was the champion in recess, pending. So they still got to figure that out. The commission ruled May agenda, blah, 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 blah. Um, extends a temporary suspension through June. Okay. So, yeah, so he basically doesn't have to pay the fine. Um, he did ha- – he was ordered uh, to pay 326 in attorney fees. So we'll see if he's going to become eligible after that to get right back into the WBA, uh, you know, for his strap, or his former strap, I should say. What am I saying? Uh, this is Adrian Delgado. Once again, I always tell you, great follow, at Adrian D8926. Excellent matchup. This is, He's talking about Benavides and Morel, if it, if it happens. Excellent matchup between young, skilled, and explosive fighters. On one side, you have a well-conditioned offensive powerhouse with a high work rate. Versus a big, athletic, highly skilled fighter. A lot of speed and ability on display in this one. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. That's a damn good fight. Uh, Schwan says Benavides might not make it to Canelo. His pace, physicality, and length is a problem. But he gets hit hard early. And Morel's dynamic, athletic in regards to power. Um, and Adrian followed up by saying, I've always said Benavidez's strengths make up for his technical flaws. I think it's fair how those deficiencies look against dynamic polished boxer has me intrigued. Yeah, I mean, that fight, that fight is a damn good fight if they, if they can get that thing across the line, man. If they can get that thing across the line, let's do it. Okay. Um, and this is what I mean, dude. Uh, okay, let's, let's switch that one. This is Lazy Lefty. What's up, Lefty? PBC has been paying the IBF Mando step-aside money, right? Showtime has been buying 
uh, Tim Zhu's Australian fights to hype up his eventual fight with Charlo, uh, a guy they invested in from the beginning. Don't come in my, my mentions acting like uh, Zhu is the victim. Exactly. It's like, dude, they've been building this fight. Like I said, a year ago, not many people were all that excited. Now people are, and it doesn't mean you got to turn it into um, now Charlo wants to duck him. It's like it's just another white fighter to overhype, and it's just it just gets old, dude. And I'm white saying this shit, you know. But the media and these trolls, uh, you know, the usual suspects. Now all of a sudden he's ducking people. And by the way, Tia Fimo did vacate the WBO. This is Jake Donovan too. I forgot to mention that. He basically texted. He relinquished it through a text when he entered the WBO. So we'll see if that, you know, if that holds. Oh, somebody sent me Sam Gilly. Yeah, landed a big-time body shot, no doubt, at that Your Call Sky Sports show. That's a good call. This is uh, Fred beyond the races element. I think the difference in how outlets covered PBC Heyman compared to Kinahan Sadi's is that one group is paying people for positive coverage and all the moaning about the nature of boxing was really about people not getting a piece of the action. Yep. And by the way, this is RJ, RJ Wolf, great follow, by the way, signage of ProBellum in lift promotion seen at today's Disrupt Boxing inaugural event in Uzbekistan. Pro Bellum. Just a heads up there. This is gritty. Uh, One-off performance doesn't tell the whole story. We're overreacting as usual. He brought up, or somebody brought up Tio Sandor. Yup. And Boots Karen. Yup. I mean, I wouldn't go too far in that Regis, that's for sure. I definitely wouldn't go too this is uh, Lord of the Flies, another great follow, definitely knows his shit. Um, it's a real shame how many fighters how many fight how many fighters don't get their just due while on top, then when they fade or become washed, it becomes he was never that good to begin with because people were too consumed with their preconceived negative towards them. Um, that missed out on the greatness yes yeah, that happens a lot man. it seems like it's getting um uh, see this is what i'm talking about another injury coming for charlo he's not fighting this dude you know come on man why does the sport have to be held hostage by these dis- disres- disgraceful sisters <laughs> i mean held hostage what the fuck are you talking about held hostage like, he hurt his hand. They had a fight scheduled in January. He hurt his hand. He wants to make sure the hand's okay, right? Because then people would say, oh, it's an excuse, right? Who's Charlo ducked? Like, just stop. Just stop. And then, like I said, talk to the WBC about that shit, about not put either stripping uh, Jamal or putting him, you know, champion in recess. They could have done that. But to sit there and be like, oh, they're, they're holding up the boxing world. Do you realize how fucking good this year is? And you're up here complaining about that? Like, stop, dude. Jesus Christ. 
I think that'll do it. Oh, yeah, there is. Uh, there was that report from TMZ. Conor McGregor accused of raping a woman at the NBA Finals game. He denies the allegation. There was a, a video scene with them two together. That's all I got. Um, I think that's about it. I think that's where I'll stop. Like I said, I will be in the building at the armory um, this this weekend. Uh, I, I do think, like I said, action fights. I, I really believe that there's going to be some good action fights. Let's hope so. Oh, and then the Wilder thing. Wilder said that, well, he said there's he has an opponent. He has a date and an opponent, and it's going to be announced soon. He said that, like, late last week on uh, Ellie's setback, okay? Now, his trainer, Malik Scott, said Andy Ruiz is the leading candidate. They didn't say it was a done deal. On one hand, I could see the Eddie Hearn thing. Are they going to let him fight Andy Ruiz right before that? You know, I don't know. Now, obviously, he holds Andy Ruiz higher than he does Dillian White because he's going to, you know, AJ be fighting Dillian White. So I don't know. But it does look like that Wilder and AJ is is uh, is a real possibility. And I don't know about Devin Haney. If he's going to sign with the Saudis, if he's going to sign with Matchroom, if he's going to wait around to get an offer if one comes for Tank, if he signs up with ESPN, someone he's been with for three fights. I've also hear, uh, heard a slight rumor about Otto Wallen, which that's a measuring stick you can always go back to. He's a solid fighter. He had that fight lined up with Dillian White, and it fell through, as we know. Um, but remember, Otto cut, there was that pretty nasty cut with Fury. and what was I think it was a 10-rounder, right? Could have been like 6-4 to four or some shit. I don't know. I don't remember my, my scorecard, but that would be a hell of an opponent, too. Now, could they both just take, like, mediocre? I mean, if they're going to fight each other in December, I don't give a shit about them having a camp and knocking somebody out. It, it's really I – don't, I don't mind personally. You know, we'll see. If he, if he takes on Otto Wallen or Andy Ruiz, and I'm not saying, you know, Wilder would, because Wilder – I mean, he's a man of his word, dude. You could say whatever you want about the conspiracy theories, about, you know, whatever. Excuses, that's great. If you want to talk about that's cool. But the dude in a stretch of six fight fights fought Tyson Fury three times and Luis Ortiz twice. None of them were easy fights, dude. He got – he landed some big punches. Uh, he, he also got some really hard shots on him, ultimately got knocked out pretty, you know, nastily, nastily, um, it was brutal, that, that third fight, but, I mean, the guy is not, you know, not afraid, man, the dude's ready to go, so, I actually do think this fight with him and AJ is going to happen, um, I'm kind of in the minority, I'm not sure, though, because, you know, I understand, like, I don't know. Just hearing the skills challenge promoter, um, you know, the spokesman, he, you know, he's like, hey, dude, we at least want that fight. 
And the way Eddie Hearn's been talking about it, the way, um, you know, Wilder's been talking about it, I think that fight's going to happen regardless if they get Fury and Usyk. And Fury probably just wants to fight so he doesn't stay out of the ring as long and have to fight a skilled guy like Usyk. Anyway, I'm going to get out of here. Enjoy the fights, like I said. Follow me on uh, on Twitter that night. I'll definitely be posting a lot of videos, some you know off uh, TV stuff too. Be filling you in with some some news as far as how the fights are going and whatnot. Enjoy the weekend, like I said. Let's hope that we get a home for Franco and Ioka because that should be an action-packed fight. Let's see if Berlanga can look good. And like I said, I think it's going to be an action packed at the Armory here in Minneapolis. Remember, I'll be back Sunday afternoon because I'm going out of town for a couple of days. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that you feel you.